I'm gonna I'm gonna pull in uh, Hellraiser for for just a moment um, to to very quickly say that I did not understand masochism at all as a child. I I, I never I it was something that like. I very much so could not wrap my head around. And now I'm I'm 29, big fan of Hellraiser. <laughs> you tell you you're telling me you you weren't like in the uh in the church the Christmas service like dripping the hot candle wax on yourself? Right, and then using it to to, you know, uh to massage my my erect member. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was highly unpopular in the church service when you do that. Um, I I don't know. I hear a lot about the Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I, I cannot comment on the Catholic Church. If we're talking about something genuinely horrifying, then we can talk about the Catholic Church. Yeah, all right, uh, history podcast. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are a lot of things I'm not and um Ironically, something we we talked about on our first episode is religious, because um, because you and I met at a at a Bible camp, which is what makes uh, how we even communicate now uh, very funny to me. I'm I'm allowed uh, as a person to find it funny how uh, we reconnected like uh, like a good ten years <laughs> after oh, yeah, we met. Anyone that had met either of us within the past 10 years would be probably incredibly shocked to find out that either one of us was religious uh, at any point. So it's a good, it's a good time, isn't, you know? Isn't that something? That I, how... it, it informed a lot of the way that I am today. Um, and the, I, I'm not even like, the things not even you like learn as you grow it. up, I mean. The things you yeah. learn as you, as you get older... Um, and, and, and how that ties in with the idea of pain. But I, I want to avoid avoid that for just a moment, because I, I do want to uh, jump into the story relatively quickly, because I know both you and I are, are, are feeling it. Um, when yes. when I say when I so I, I gave him a choice. Let me let me backtrack a little bit. I give all of my readers a choice when I, when I ask if they want to record, I kind of box them in and I, I give them a set parameter and then I let them choose uh, the weapon that they want to be tortured with. And when I I, I immediately told Ramses, which I'm, this is lots of pasta, by the way, and I'm here with Ramses Vanderslice. Uh, no, the name of the podcast. I'm going to give you a golf clap. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, when I was asking Ramses to come back for his uh, third episode, I thought that I enjoyed uh, our first two so much that I thought, let's do a two-parter. Let's let's carry some emotion. You know, let's let's physically carry some baggage from one story to another and see how it develops. And uh, be- because it's big risk, big reward, right? We are we're we're a podcast where we read stories and sometimes they're great and sometimes they're awful. And no matter what the outcome, we have a good time because sometimes reading an awful story can be very entertaining. That's that's the one side of the coin. Whereas reading something genuinely interesting, genuinely well written um, with with an almost sincerity is uh, applaudable. Right. So yeah, so sure. the creativity can go in multiple ways. So I I had such a good time on our first two episodes that I thought, let's kick it up a notch. Let's do a two parter 
And there are only so many that I have. I think I only have like a couple because I, I try to save them from season to mm. season and really only do like one or two of them. Um, well, then I'm, I'm honored. Thank you. Oh, I, hey, you, you thank yourself because ah, you, you are you. already uh, like one of the better readers on this show. <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry. I and just, the numbers I... speak for it. Man, I just got uh, like sent back to fucking third grade right there. This guy can read. This guy <laughs> this reads is, out loud so this well. This is Holy really shit. fucking serious popcorn. Popcorn is, is what this Fuck is. <laughs> Let me tell you, we're gathered here on a Monday night to do some internet popcorn, and I just mm. finished my nine to five job, and I'm really tired. <laughs> Hell yes. And I, let's pretend I also did a lot of stuff today, which is why if I'm low energy, there's that reason. Uh, and also, but it's mostly you. You're the, the you're the low I'm energy I'm the problem. One. Yes, the, if anything happens. The low energy does come from our selection today. I'm being, if I'm being totally, totally clear, because I want to, I've heard a couple things about this story and I want to kind of, cage my expectations a little bit because there are a couple things I've heard from a couple different people about this story. Uh, all, all listeners of the show, I've brought up a bunch of different things. Um, this is a, a fan submitted story. Someone, someone like found this online and said, this is really cool. You guys should read this on your show. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's do that. Um, the title is the showers and Ramsey's, I just got to know when I was when I was giving you all these options, because some of the titles are very like artistic or literal. Um, y- yeah, you I, um, you immediately said the showers, for sure, for sure. I think uh, I I'm I always gravitate towards whatever I think could go wrong the most, and mm. I think I think anything having to do with showers is very easily uh, twisted into something that's just funny. I know it's not going to be funny, uh, or I gathered at least, that this is probably going to be one of the better stories that we read. But, you know, there's like a lot of sexual stuff. There's a lot of funny stuff. I mean, when I have taken a shower, uh, in the rare occasion that I do take a shower, uh, I just feel like the entire act is just kind of of humorous. uh, Because you're usually usually just kind of like cooped up, and you're knocking shit over, and like you, uh, I don't know the whole thing, the entire like the ways that you have to like bend in order to wash yourself, uh, the way that you look with the all, your your hair all wet. Um, it's just it's just a funny time. So it's, I have no. It's banal. It's a banal yes. activity. There's there is something that I think media tries to represent as sexy about a shower and for the life of me I have never fucking experienced it even when I've like like this is this is probably gonna sound creepy this is probably gonna make me sound like Norman Bates but like I've watched I've like sat on the toilet and watched like my girlfriend at the time like shower and have been like totally like I'd much rather her not be in there and be out here with me. On the me. toilet. <laughs> <laughs> why, why isn't she on the toilet? Call me Fuzzy Blumpkin. So, I, I, I okay, I can see it. Um, I just think it's goofy more often than not. It, it can be sexy, but it's mostly just kind of like a, a funny, weird thing. It's like watching chimps 
do any sort of like hygienic activity where they're like picking lice off of each other. Right. And or like a pig roll in the mud. Like there's something funny about the way that animals, including humans, maintain themselves. I, Absolutely. I will, yeah, Absolutely. I it used to be royalty would only shower once a week, right? Maybe even less once a month. Um, you know, there, there's something, there's something interesting, but I do want to get back to what you initially said about your reason why, which is that you, you gravitate towards something that could go wrong. Yes. Oh, I just, I want, I like that art. I've said this before on this podcast and I will continually say it. I, my favorite thing in the entire world is watching people who are, who are writing in earnest, uh, and who are just getting it wrong every step of the way. Uh, there's a lot. There's, there's a something lot. beautiful about it. Oh God, it's so it's so excellent. Um, I'm I'm just a connoisseur of everything wrong, and everything bad. Um, I really just love that stuff, and I know a lot of people don't. But um, you know what can I say? I'm fundamentally broken, oh, and I haven't found the trauma <laughs> that explains it yet. But we're, we're going to get there. Hopefully, we can. Tease hopefully, it out hopefully we can we can figure that out. But we we do um, purvey that fine art on this show, the art of this person just doesn't know how to write, or this person just doesn't know what makes a good story. Like right, yeah. there, there are so many times on this show where I, as we're reading it go, Oh no, like, Oh no, this is going to, this is going <laughs> to be bad. Oh, like, like watching yourself, like run over a small animal, you know, because you just weren't paying attention to the road real quick. And then next thing you know, that squirrel just bump bump right under the tire. You're just like, Oh no. Yeah, it pays to be vigilant. You know, I think, uh, in this circumstance, um, it's close. It is closer to torture. And I don't think vigilance is gonna, it's gonna help us either way. Mm. Um, I do, I do want to say that, um, the, the way I reflect on the title, um, if even for a moment, I think is is probably the most realistically gruesome death in the entire uh, Final Destination franchise. Um, it's the f- in the first movie, the best friend gets a clothing line in a shower wrapped around his neck and as he's kicking and streaming, trying to like get up on the the faucet and stuff, or just to get over the lip of the tub, right? His arms sporadically knock over the bottles into the tub, and it starts to to spray like shampoo and drip drip like all these conditioners and body washes everywhere, so he can't get traction, and his legs just keep slipping, and he can't stand on anything, and he actually strangles himself to death. Uh, that's, um, uh, it's a rough way to go. It is. It is arguably like some of the final destination deaths are so lightning fast that, you know, that person didn't even register that pain. Um, but I would say the first one is incredibly. Let's just say physical in in the idea of making it stretch of of elongate elongating that pain threshold um, to, to make the viewer as uncomfortable as possible for as long as they can. Um, a lot well, of you got, you got horror... a lot of watching a guy just uh, slowly stop breathing. I've never watched any of the um, the Final Destination. None of the fi- you movies. haven't seen a single one. Not a single one. I've seen all the trailers for them, and I that that's enough for me to know that they're not made for me. Because okay. I think 
I think that whoever decided that this should be a series was not interested in making movies, but was just like, hey, I wonder if I could get like a bunch of neurotic people afraid of everyday objects. And he just kept <laughs> making movies for as many objects as he saw that he thought, ah, people aren't people aren't uh, scared enough of this thing. I could, I bet I can make people scared of this. I um, I look so so. I, if you will allow me, just just to, I do agree with you absolutely, um, <laughs> absolutely. Do I do I look at things like ladders and cars and trucks just a little bit more curiously? After the final franchise, uh, final destination franchise, absolutely. I've mean, um, seen the movies, and yet I can't see a fucking logging truck without thinking of without the trailer thinking for of one of the movies. I'm like, number I didn't even two. fucking watch it. That's Final yeah, Destination well, two. Uh, so, so allow me. <laughs> that one I think is five. Um, so uh, there, there are these moments in each of these movies, right? And this is just my, this is my only defense of the franchise because they are relatively well acted. I would say better acted than most actual horror franchises that exist. Mm, Um, Like even in the first one, it's led by um, uh, Devin Sawa and um, he, he just really brings a kind of like sad, scared quality to it. Um, And, uh, the third one has um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and and she's she's wonderful in horror films. She's been in a bunch. Um, what what I would defend the franchise with just a little bit to take it out of that paranoid neuroses um, is the idea that it becomes a game. There there are these moments like these like light bulb moments that happen in each of the movies where the survivors see everyone in the order that they were supposed to die and understand that death works like a deli counter. Like he calls your number and visits you. And if you're not there, he passes on to the next person. But the idea Mm. is that if you can avoid there, well, that's the idea is that if you can see it coming if you can avoid dying at that moment, it elongates your life. That's that's uh, actually uh, how the franchise works. Live in those movies, I just yes. everyone died except for like no. Uh, the, the the funniest part about the opening of the second movie is the only character to survive the first film is locked up in an asylum in a padded room because for her that's the safest place to be. Yeah. So yeah, fair. Honestly, though, if I, I like, like I said, and that's why I'm saying the franchise is, is good because scientifically and, and, and actually like intellectually and log- logically thinking, it's not all just like these contraptions that like a marble knocks over a hammer, knocks over a paint bucket, knocks over a bowling ball and someone's head gets chopped off. I I'm, would love to see that, though. Some of them are absolutely like that. Some of the movies are absolutely like that. They do have those moments where you don't see it coming because it's just so convoluted. But there there comes a time in each of the franchises where the main character goes, oh no, like when we were on the bus and it exploded, you were in the front row, so you are next. Like you were in front of me and this person was behind me, so I know if any of these people die anytime soon, I will know the direction of which death is heading. And it always like, you know, it it has its first wind where it knocks out like half the cast. 
and then it circles back around for the ones it misses. And that's usually where the movie gets interesting because the people that are left are the ones who are watching for it. The ones some, who are looking for it. kind of death to, to, you know, do one at a time. Right, not, you know, because that's how death like, works. Potentially om, <laughs> like omnipotent powers to just It wouldn't, so, so your plane explodes, it doesn't immediately just blow up the bus you guys are all riding on the way home. <laughs> you know, no, like, too, too just easy. to make up for it. <laughs> no, but... That. But uh, highly recommend to anyone who's never seen the series. Um, but if you are like Ramsey's, then it probably isn't good for you to watch. Um, riddled with anxiety. Yeah, riddled with yeah. anxiety. Um, I, I, don't, I don't need that shit. <laughs> um, but I, I, when I see the showers, there are only a couple of things that come to my head. And, and that death scene from Final Destination 1 is one of them. Um I would also say the death scene in Psycho, just naturally, you know, it's just it's it's iconic. So you 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 have to go there. And then I think back to like, OK, well, when when was my first shower? And it's like I think back to my dad just being like he, he's he's standing next to me in the shower and he's saying no, it's it's not a bath. Stop sitting down. <laughs> like, and he's saying like, okay, mm, grab nice this, day. grab this thing, and let the water just shoot you in the face for five minutes. <laughs> like, to me as a small child, I was very confused at first by the idea of taking a shower because I loved baths. Baths I'm a, are great. <laughs> I'm but a lazy also, piece of what shit. A, what an absolute like fucking clipping your wings moment of telling you not to sit down in the shower because. That's the best. Sitting down in the shower is excellent. And I, I do I it often. I can't say I do it. That sounds very sad. Hey, hey, no, it's incredibly sad looking. Look, like, you can't see someone sitting in the shower and not think they've lost compares. control of, like, everything in their life. Nothing However, compares to you. Si- <laughs> sitting, sitting in the shower, running it as hot as you can manageably get it, and just sort of, like, chilling there for a moment, that's great. I mean, honestly, top top ten experiences that I experience on a relatively uh, frequent basis. Don't I can't help me. but think Don't of... Don't at uh, me telling me I have depression, okay? <laughs> I get it. I, I, I can't help but think of uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, just Finkel is Einhorn, Einhorn is Finkel, and uh, he's just sitting there crying in the shower. <laughs> I'm just saying there's no right or wrong way to have a shower besides, like, you know... Oh, you I'm not judging. Sure the, the, I, I maybe should try was. sitting down at so, some point. Oh. I'm no, going, I think so. So my dad, my dad is incredibly straightforward. He's just trying to tell me how to get it done as fast as possible. And he's uh, and, and I assume if I'm sitting down, I can't physically work. So, you know, at, yeah, la- you at that learn, point, it's kind really of an acceptance. Yeah, it was always a very awkward exercise for me. And I and I like. In, in high school, they would always tell you to shower, like, after certain things. I would always just be like, nope, and just, like, bounce out of there as quick as possible. Um, I think the... What I wanted to get into next, just rolling over into it really quickly, um, the idea of being as vulnerable as you are. You know, mm-hmm. you are naked. You are wet. You are, like, two things people shouldn't be like most of the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and, and my mind can't th- help but think like this story 
could be traumatizing. There is an element of it that, like, when I wake up from work tomorrow when we're done reading this story and I and I wake up to take a shower, am I going to think of this? And is there is there going to be something presented here that makes me double think like every time I take a shower for the rest of my goddamn life? Um, hey man, that's the risk we gotta take, right? I mean, that's, that's the everyday see. risk. That's the final destination risk is you're yeah, alive, you're, so you're gonna have to fucking deal with it. You're gonna... Baths, you know? There are other ways of, of cleaning yourself. You could get one of those crazy Japanese bathrooms and uh, just get a stool and, and sort of scrub yourself on that. Oh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I actually just recalked my entire like tub this weekend um, because adult, and um, I wasn't able to take a shower this morning, so I I mm. bathed in the sink. I I did soap. I did the hair uh, See, over the go. sink. Yeah. So See? today I actually avoided the showers. You got you you got options. Um, I could right. have less homeless like options though. That's true. That's I true. could have less sad options. Uh, wait, wait, uh, so anyway. That's my, that's, my, that's my response. So anywho, um, we are going to hop into a story from Creepypasta. Um, this is a sub- submission from Danny Boy. Thank you, Danny Boy. Um, you, you're... you're uh, exuberant ability to find and locate stories that might be good is a talent that not many possess. Um, thank you for the recommendation. I hope this doesn't suck. I, I believe he me told too. me parts of it sucks. And I, and, oh, I, and I, and I, and I, and I accept that going into it because I don't know which way he means that it sucks. You know, that can go oh, a bunch of different that. ways. Yeah. Um, Ramses, do you want to start? I can kick it off. Yeah. How, how do you want to? How do you want to come at this? Oh, it's split into parts. And if you oh. want to alternate on dialogue, I can let you voice the the narrator, and I could do everyone else or whatever. Um. Sure. Yeah. Let's we'll go with we'll that. see if, when if we get there. Things go horribly wrong. We can always reassess. We'll see when we get there. You know, it's it's an adventure. Okay, uh, yeah, so without, without further ado, the showers. Every area in all parts of the world has those specific, hold on, for right off the bat, I'm a, this opening sentence is sus. Every right. area in all parts of the world has those area-specific urban legends that just refuse to die. Area, area. Yeah, not, well, yeah, I'm gonna move past it. It's 69 <laughs> pages, nice, so I can't. Uh, whether the stories are 420 about a, pages. It just expands to every meme number, the longer you read. That's the real fucking horror story. Um, Whether the stories are about a haunted asylum on the outskirts of the city, a creature that lives in the nearby woods, or a ghost that haunts a lonely stretch of road outside town, there's always a common thread with the tales. No one has ever been to these places, seen the creatures, or witnessed any hauntings with their own eyes. Fair enough. Yeah. There are members of every generation who will proclaim that they know someone whose brother's best friend's sister went to that haunted house with 13 floors that used real blood and snakes and spiders and is so scary that no one's ever made it all the way through. Those same people will swear by these stories without ever being able to provide a shred of evidence or a name of someone who could provide proof of the claims simply because everyone around here knows that it's a true story. 
The storytellers eventually pass the tales on to their children to modify them just enough to keep up with the changing times, and the cycle continues. I'm as skeptical as anyone when it comes to these stories, seeing as I was like a junkie when I was younger, constantly searching for more terrifying stories about whatever area of the country I was living in at the time. I made up and spread stories about haunted pizza parlors in New York, my cousin's encounter with the Jersey Devil, or how my grandfather encountered a feral, human-like demon creature in the woods of Colorado. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. I even broke the one rule with these stories by putting myself in them. This took guts, in hindsight, because I had to make sure that I always told the same way. Surprisingly, no one ever called my bluff. I like to think that I have some wonderful contributions to various urban legends around the Midwest and Northeastern states. I moved around a lot. There was always a surge of joy whenever I would wander the halls at school and hear one of my classmates retelling my stories to another one of their friends, adding little bits here and there like a massive game of telephone. I knew, of course, that the stories were complete fiction, but I stood my ground whenever someone asked me about them. I would even manage to act a little bit, speaking with a shaky voice or looking scared when I, was, when I would recount a situation that I supposedly experienced myself. I suppose this aspect of my childhood has led to my current predicament, which I will recount in full for the internet to take from it what they will. I have laid this little introduction out as a sort of disclaimer, aimed particularly at those who will call my story into question. Because it is completely little... made up. Yeah. <laughs> I have been like the boy who cried wolf for years, but I assure you with every ounce of honesty and integrity that I have that this time, the wolf is real. Bum bum. Um, sick. So it's going to be about a wolf in the showers. Hell. Which is like, I think, an, that's a, that's sexy a great Sexy little premise. Red Riding Hood. <laughs> no, it's not sexy. It's just people keep getting mauled in the showers because they don't see the wolf. Ah, which it's kind of it's hard to hide something in the showers usually. They're usually like very open, right? It's like one room, <laughs> all the showers are on a wall. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, my friendships were often fleeting. Oh, rough. My friendships were often fleeting, as were any positive relationships that I ever had with my teachers. Because of the events that followed, my memory of one teacher in particular is probably slightly skewed but I'll attempt to give at least the least biased version of our friendship that I can. Mr. Mays was one of my social studies teachers in the early years of my high school experience. Being older now, I can understand how horrible children are to deal with around that age, and I respect him to no ends for the way, I respect him to no ends for the way that he was able to connect with his students. I don't, mm. I, just to like, no <laughs> end, right. Yeah, uh, he seemed like one of us. He talked like one of us. He made pop culture references that were current, listened to cool music, and sometimes he would even say hell or damn while he was giving <laughs> a passionate lecture about Native American history or something like that. A teacher that swore even a little bit was the epitome of cool to a freshman in high school. Was it? <laughs> was it Ramsey's? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell I, yeah. There's, a, there's an element of truth to that. Like, I remember going to college and, like, one of my professors said fuck and, like, even though part of me was like, yeah, that's normal, there was, like, a sort of like lizard brain portion of me that was like oh, oh shit oh my god <laughs> the guy said fuck holy god oh my god wants me to call him by his first name what the fuck is this um my memory of Mr. Mays most my memories of Mr. Mays mostly stem from the way that he really got into anything that he was doing the instance that is still very vivid in my mind was of course around Halloween of my sophomore year Mr. Mays had the typical teacher decorations around the classroom, smiling jack-o'-lanterns, black cat cartoons, typical and boring in the minds of egotistical high school students. However, 
On the 31st of October, when most other teachers were rolling their eyes at the fact that teenagers still took dressing up in costumes on Halloween seriously, Mr. Mays took the whole cool teacher thing to a new level. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm we waiting. The, yeah, we walked into the classroom and were surprised to find the blinds drawn, sheets over the smaller windows, candles lighting the room, and a single frowning jack-o'-lantern sitting on a stool in front of the desks. Mr. Mays sat at his desk, just watching the students come into class and take their seats. He didn't have to ask anyone to be quiet because the moment everyone walked into the room, they were either too excited to care about petty conversations or too confused to bother with them. The students took their seats as Mr. Mays began his lecture. He spoke quietly to set the mood and took a seat on a chair right next to the jack-o'-lantern in the center of the room. <laughs> Do you want me to read this? <laughs> yeah, 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 go for it, you're Mr. Mays. Today is probably my favorite day of the year, class. Now, can you do that as Billy Mays? Today is probably <laughs> my favorite day of the year, class, and right now I'm going to show you this piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize the next, the next fucking sentence he said in a monotonous voice. Halloween is my favorite holiday, and I want to share with you exactly why I love it so much. One girl raised her hand with a concerned look on her face. I'm pushing the due date for your papers to next Tuesday, said Mr. Mays, without bothering to look at the girl who slowly put her hand down, looking around the other students with a hint of embarrassment. The class erupted in quiet cheers. What are, what are, the, what are those? And Mr. <laughs> Wait, actually, no, I'm stopping. What are, what's a quiet cheer sound like? It's, like? it's like when you just like fist bump real quick. You like you yes. pump you pump like, like one of those like like whispered yes. It's like yeah. uh, it's like when it's like the end of Breakfast Club. <laughs> it literally silent. Do, do, <laughs> the class erupted you. <laughs> in quiet cheers, and Mr. Mays waited for the inevitable silence. He began his story immediately after the class had calmed down. I will attempt to recreate the amazing story that Mr. Mays told the class that day. The way in which he told this story rendered the horror junkie speechless the rest of the class terrified. The same girl that had raised her hand to ask about the paper was holding her knees to her chest by the end of it, a look of terror on her face. Oh, set up. Oh yeah. The important thing to know was what the story was about. <laughs> I agree, author. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. <laughs> the, the, uh, sorry. The important thing to know was what the story was about. The specifics slipped my mind now and aren't too relevant. I'll try to recount the parts of the story that matter most, but don't hold me to it. <laughs> Basically, Mr. Mays and his friends set out on a road trip around the country after graduating from college. They took a truck, loaded it with camping gear, and set out to sightsee for the entire summer. The group went for the Poconos in New Jersey. What? <laughs> That's, okay. It's a, uh, it's a skip, it's a skip and a jump. L listeners, I would, I would like to state that while the Poconos are near New Jersey, they are not in New Jersey. Absolutely um, not. The, the group went from the Poconos, near New Jersey, down the coast of Florida, <laughs> New Orleans to California, and up, up to Washington. From there, they went to the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, then back home to New York. This concept of the freedom to travel anywhere had the entire class hooked in an instant. They'd never heard of a road trip before, I guess. Mr. Mays was the <laughs> no coolest one leaves teacher the state. ever in my eyes. Being adventurous college kids, the group didn't bring a map. There were no time constraints, so they just kind of drove in the general direction that they wanted to go and eventually found a town to stay in or someplace that looked interesting. 
He told us that after spending a week in Colorado, he and his friends had to travel th through miles and miles of corn plains and more corn. That is correct. Yeah, that's how that works. He assumed that they were either in Nebraska or Kansas when they decided to pool their extra cash and stay in a hotel for a night. They settled into a motel in some town that Mr. Mays could barely remember the name of when one of his friends realized that they were somewhere near his grandfather's farm. He wasn't entirely sure where it was, but being adventurous college kids, they decided to get a quick refund from the motel and try to contact the friend's grandpa. That's not, that's not how motels work. Yeah, no, they're pretty unscrupulous. <laughs> you should give them <laughs> your money and you're fucked. Pretty much. Uh, also, they didn't know what state they were in, which I'm like, okay, <laughs> that maybe that's possible. That but is also problematic. They, were, they, they knew they were close to the person's Grandpa's farm. farm. Yeah, oh, I wait, feel hold on. it in I my balls. I recognize this patch of the exact same corn that we've been driving past <laughs> for hours and hours. Well, then it was plains, and then it was more... Uh, it's yeah, uh, it's fine. He he maybe he has like a mini map somewhere, and like his little grandpa's yeah. farm like popped up on his HUD. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like oh man, it's, it must be close enough. I can see the icon. Um, <laughs> they were unable to get a hold of the grandpa on the phone, so the group figured it would be fun to just show up. How did they? How do they know where he lives? If they, grandpa, it's fine. Like yeah, this guy definitely has a fucking mini map. Um, Mr. May's friend was adamant that his grandparents would take them in feed them without a moment of hesitation. So the group set out with an hour of sunlight, seeking the salvation of a comfortable house to stay in. In Kansas, or Nebraska, wherever it may have been, there aren't a whole lot of natural markers that could guide lost travelers. Any directions given to someone who didn't live around the area basically amounted to go up a couple of miles to the corn, take a right, and go down a dirt road to the other corn. There should be some wheat on your right. Um, Yep, that's how directions work. <laughs> God, I'd be so I'd be so upset if I stopped and asked directions, and those were the directions <laughs> they gave me. Uh, you're gonna drive till the corn, and then uh, drove, uh, drive some more corn, and then the wheat. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Uh, so, as is the case in most scary stories, the group got lost. Never wanting to admit defeat, they drove into the night, making wrong turns every five minutes until they found themselves on a wooded road that Mr. May's friend was certain that his grandparents lived off of. Mr. Mays described the road as basically a dark path to hell. I wasn't entirely sure how true this was because he got very excited and a bit ridiculous with his explanations of the trees that tried to grab the car and the red eyes of countless animals looking at them from the darkness. Regardless, the typical horror tropes worked on most of the class. Everyone was terrified. So the group of guys drove on the dark road for about 15 minutes before they came to a clearing and a small building with lights in it and what seemed to be a silo. They figured that, at the very least, the people who lived there would be able to help them find where the guy's grandparents lived. The whole idea of everyone knows everyone in these hick parts of the country fueled this hope. They pulled the, every... Right. <laughs> every redneck knows every other redneck. Well, that's, you it's see, incredible. that's my cousin's sister's brother's uncle's kid, that one. They're, uh, it's actually just sort of like some fungal hive mind in rural <laughs> parts of the USA. Yes. Most people don't know about that. Um... They pulled the car up near the building, realizing that uh, when they were out of the car, that it appeared to be like the kind of places where one would store a whole bunch of chickens, not a home. <laughs> a coop? Why? Okay, sorry. Right. Still, the lights were on, so they figured they would give it a try. They approached the building as a group, looking in the semi-open sliding door to find a big, empty room. Hanging fluorescent lights lit the room like it was daytime, and they couldn't see a soul. There were no cars, but one of Mr. May's friends was convinced that he'd seen someone as they pulled up. So they decided to go inside to see if there was an office or something where someone might still be working. 
Why else would they have this huge place lit up like that? There were no doors on the inside of the building. Again, it was just a giant empty hall. So the group roamed around the property and over towards the silo. As they got closer, they noticed what appeared to be a cellar door. At this point, I remember Mr. Mays telling the entire class to learn from his idiocy. He told us that he hadn't seen many horror movies before that time and didn't think twice about approaching a creepy cellar door in the middle of a dark, scary foreign place. He said that approaching that door was one of his biggest regrets. That is, that is an insane thing to do. Um, Very even, much even so. If even if you've never seen a horror movie, why would you think that you should just go into someone's cellar? Go into someone's basement, yeah. Yeah, great idea. Oh, hell yeah. Maybe they're just... Maybe they're just in the cellar. <laughs> I like for a good reason. The idea of looking over and going, "Oh hell yeah," and just jumping into this. <laughs> Holy shit! Maybe he'd just never seen a cellar before. He's like, "They've got a fucking room underground, Yo. guys. You can do that." Holy Tunnel shit. time. <laughs> so maybe there's gold down here. Mr. Mays let the whole class know that he was going to tell us as much as he deemed appropriate about the experience. He he felt that there were mature that we were mature enough to handle it but advised anyone that was squeamish to leave class early. Several students quietly gathered their things and walked out the door, a couple of them being stoners who saw this as an opportunity to smoke before, behind the school before their next class. I didn't even give the announcement a second thought. Like I said, I was and am a sucker for this kind of stuff, and Mr. Mays was telling a story better than anything I'd ever conjured up. <laughs> I thought he was going to say better than anything I'd ever smoked. Um, <laughs> I wanted to learn from this guy, even though I didn't believe much of the story. After the class had thinned a bit, Mr. Mays continued with the story. He told the remaining few that he and his friend opened that cellar door, releasing a smell that he only described as the most putrid thing my senses had ever experienced. The group was no longer concerned with finding the owners of the property, but was now set on finding the source of that smell. They went down the steps into the cellar, which was lit by single bulbs spaced sporadically along the ceiling of a long hallway. No one spoke. Things had gotten too strange. The walls were lined with metal sheeting, similar to the roofing on farms. The hallway itself was crooked, and the ceilings constantly lowered and rose like a tunnel that was hastily dug and then never touched up. There were sections where the boys had to almost crouch in order to pass. The worst part, Mr. Mays told us, was that the light bulbs continuously flickered, sometimes acting like a strobe light, making it very difficult to move through the winding and unstable hallways. In hindsight, he was certain that his mind was playing tricks on him, but he remembered seeing flashes of things that couldn't be there. He said that when you are, he said that when you are that focused on sometime, <laughs> huh? Okay, let me try this again. <laughs> on something, uh, probably. Yeah, 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 it's just a typo. He said that when you are that focused on something, or if you're that nervous, your mind can do that to you. It can simply revolt, showing you things or people that aren't there. He continued to, he continued to describe the hallway and I was on the edge of my seat. The halls were windy and they seemed to go on forever. Mr. Mays guessed that the halls were, that that they were somewhere under the creepy forest they had driven through by the time they found a door, but he couldn't be sure. He said that they came upon a door after walking for what felt like a mile. It was simple and wooden, but it looked like it belonged outside of a suburban home. It had a nice design, seemed to be freshly painted red, and had a very nice knob and knocker on it. It was a door that belongs to the entrance to a nice house, not one that'd be sitting in a dirt tunnel in the middle of nowhere. His friend walked towards the door, moving carefully because of the flashing light bulb, and increasingly uncertain about the stability of the surrounding walls. He turned to the group, the rest of which were nervous at the very least, and attempted to lighten the mood with a laugh before he said, 
I should probably knock the door first. <laughs> ba -da -ba -ba -da -da. So uh, uh, Mr. May's friend grabbed the steel knocker and hit it against the door several times, mockingly, but quietly uttering, is anyone home? <laughs> the group waited about 30 seconds before their tension broke. The guy next to the door shrugged his shoulders and went to walk back to his friends. But as he did, the light bulb, the light bulb between them surged and exploded. The boys shielded their eyes and looked back to their lone friend by the door. As he lowered his hands, one of the metal sheets of the makeshift roof dropped. The edge of the sheet fell directly on the boy's forehead, slicing it open and sending a wave of blood down his face. The impact apparently knocked him out, and he fell back against the door, knocking it open in the process. The entirety of the group rushed through the dim light to their friend, barely noticing the seemingly pitch black room that Nellie both lay before them. Mr. Mays was the first to make it to his friend's side. He lifted the guy's head into his arms and immediately took off his jacket, putting it over his forehead to attempt to stop the bleeding. Once the group had calmed down, Mr. Mays noticed that the arm had, that had been bracing his friend's head was soaking wet. He was confused about this and was attempting to sort it out when one of his friends started talking. He said something along the lines of, the lights, we have to go, when Mr. Mays took notice. You know when you turn off a light, he told the class, and everything is almost pitch black except the light bulb except the light of the bulb dying out and cooling down. It was like that, but there were so many of them. At least 20 light bulbs had lit the room seconds ago, and now only looked like little stars in the darkness. This was definitely terrifying, but that wasn't the scariest thing. Huh. Oh, yeah, okay. There was... There was still a very dim light coming from the hallway behind them, and though it was weak, it lit up the room just enough to see the shape of tens of people standing less than ten feet in front of them. Mr. May's friend went to say something else as one of the bulbs to their right flickered to life. Let me interrupt at this point and say that Mr. Mays was a generally playful guy. He had the tone of voice that makes you want to respond. Basically, he could say, let's go jump off a cliff, guys, and you'd want to respond with, all right, Mr. Mays, show us the way. That's... <laughs> Uh, that's a ridiculous statement, but, you know, it gets the point across. He was a charismatic guy. The whole story up to this point had been told like a campfire story. He had the voice inflections of someone attempting to be mysterious and scary, which worked, but was noticeable. At this point in his tale, I recall that changing completely. He was no longer attempting to spook anyone. I could tell that this section was difficult for him. Either he was a very good actor, or it was really a, tem a terrifying memory for him to relive. He told us that the light bulb came to life and illuminated the group of people in front of him. In the dim light, he could see children, at least 20 of them in the visible light. They were all dressed in nightgowns that looked to be tattered and torn, stained dark with something. Their hair was long. Every single one of them looked like they had not had a haircut since birth. Some of the children were almost completely obscured by the length of it. Every single one of them didn't appear to have seen a shower or a nice bath in their entire life. Yeah, that's not great. They probably smell awful. <laughs> I imagine. Mr. Mays told us that the most terrifying part of the whole thing was that none of the children were moving. They were all standing, staring, most of them only visible from the faint light reflecting off of their eyes. His whole group was paralyzed with fear for several seconds when they heard what sounded like an animal in the distance yelping. There's the wolf. That's the wolf. The way it was described was like the sound of a dog crying. Oh, shit. It was the sound of a dog <laughs> crying, multiplied by ten. This spurred the group to life, just as the children began to step forward. His friends grabbed the injured one, lifted him out of the room, and into the hallway in an instant. 
Mr. Mace took another second to move and had difficulty finding his bearings. He reached to his left in an attempt to find a wall to lean against and ended up finding a handle, then pulled hard, never losing his vision on the children. He bolted for the door right as he noticed what he had grabbed onto. A shower head protruded from a cement wall, reaching maybe a foot into the room. There was something leaking from it, but it was too dim to tell what it was. He realized that it had been leaking onto him, but he didn't care. There were now children stammering towards him as an animal cried in the distance, and his friend was seriously injured. As he left the room, he made a point to emphasize that he could only, that he could make out several more shower heads on the wall near this single dim-lit bulb. That is why I call them the showers, Mr. Mays told the class. I was transfixed, sitting as far forward as my desk would allow, bracing for more. I slammed the red door behind me, he said, and ran through the hallway faster than I have ever run before or since. I made it back to the car, and we drove out of there like a bat out of hell. Couple students snickered at his use of the word hell. So, when you're out trick or treating tonight, make sure that you know exactly where you are headed and don't go out to any abandoned farmhouses. I mean, there aren't many around here, but you're all smart kids. Except Jerry. The class laughed, and the mood lightened as the bell rang for passing period. Damn, fuck Jerry. Fuck you, no. Jerry. <laughs> Absolutely You roasted. fucking suck. You're all, everyone's great. Fuck you, Jerry. <laughs> Get out of my class. <laughs> if you were cool, you'd be smoking right now. Uh, Mr. Mays turned the light on, thanked everyone for listening, reminded them about the paper due next week, and told us to have a safe and happy Halloween. Students all around me were abuzz with theories about the story they'd just heard. I bet it was some sort of crazy Nazi hideout, said one girl. I think oh, there are all these ghost babies that were killed by a dog, <laughs> said another. I couldn't theorize in the slightest. I was still caught up in the moment. The way that Mr. Mason told the story and the details that he included in it left me feeling like we didn't get the whole story. A couple days later, I stayed after class, and I asked him about how it really ended and what happened to his friend. He laughed, and he said that his friend was fine, and then on and. That it was honestly, he whispered this part. Probably due to some of the drugs they were on at the time. Mr. Mays winked at me as if to say, Don't, don't tell, tell anyone, anyone about the drugs bit, kid. <laughs> and then I smiled and left. <laughs> I lived in that town for another couple months, and then was rapidly moved halfway across the country to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <laughs> Great. I, yeah, thank you for telling me where Milwaukee is. I twisted the story around. I told it around campfires as I got older, and it was always a hit. But I always changed the ending, letting the friend die of blood loss or from being dragged away by the children. It wasn't until college that I got a chance to talk to Mr. Mays again. I went to college in uh, northern New York, not for any reasons associated with this, this story. College was a fun time for me. I continued being the same ham that I'd always been. It wasn't until sometime around my junior year that I ran into Mr. Mays at a bar that I frequented. Initially, I couldn't be sure that the person I saw laying with his head buried in his arm at the bar was Mr. Mays. The only trait that grabbed my attention was the sweater that he used to wear on his birthday during class. The shirt simply read, I'm the birthday boy. <laughs> Dick the birthday boy. <laughs> I told my group of friends to grab a table and that I would join them in a second. Then I walked over to the man at the bar. Mr. Mays, I said, 
and the man looked up. The man took a second to look at my face before he smiled, put a hand on my shoulder, and said, Hey there, son. How have you been? I like how you've been playing him as though he's been drunk the whole time. <laughs> like, bo both in class and at the oh, bar. It's just, how have you Life been? is, life is, I, I have a graduate degree in English. <laughs> my man's crushed. I could smell some strong whiskey on his breath, and his cheeks were flushed. The looks in his eyes told me that he was three sheets to the wind and probably had no idea who I was. Mr. Mays, it's Jack. I was a student of yours for a couple semesters uh, about six or so years ago. His face changed a bit, and a genuine look of recognition set in. He took a calmer tone. So, I don't know how you're going to get calmer than that. Smiled and said, How have you been, Jack? We talked for a solid 20 minutes. I told him what I'd been doing for the last several years, and he told me. Apparently, he was still teaching at the same school during the same old shtick, as he called it. I asked if everything was all right, and he said that they were as good as ever. As they were as good as they ever have been or were ever going to get. It took me a while to realize that I was an adult that was having a conversation with another adult. <laughs> Every time I had spoken to Mr. Mays previously, I'd been the student-teacher relationship, but now I was just a guy having a drink with a friend at the bar. My friends eventually left, and I continued to drink with Mr. Mays. Did he just, like, never go to sit with them? <laughs> Yeah, 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 I'll, I'll come with you in a moment. Just psych. Uh, he told me I want to sit his... with my 50-year-old teacher. Yeah, I want to go hang out with my alcohol. You guys teacher. can do shots. I'm going to choose Mr. Mays. Fucking, well, if you see uh, an old teacher that you liked with an I'm the birthday boy t-shirt head down at the bar, like, you got to be a homie, right? Actually, that's, I, I would, I think that's fair. Yeah, I understand. Maybe his friends don't. Who knows? He told me all about his divorce and his kids, things that I never would have asked or cared about previously. But now, I cared. He was a real person to me, not just an idol anymore. This was a guy who had real problems, not the infallible teacher that I once thought he was. It had been several hours before I even brought up his story about the showers. I told him all about my history with urban legends and scary stories, and he just laughed. When I mentioned the story that I told you, he told us years ago, he almost seemed uncomfortable. He finished his whiskey, signaled for another, and then turned to me and got very serious. Listen, Jack, I don't know why I kept telling that story year after year. His words were slurred, or my hearing was messed up. We were both sufficiently blitzed at this point. That was what my therapist told me to do when I was younger. I had to tell people it to come to grips with it or some shit. He took a big swig of his drink. Wait, your therapist? I said. Mr. Mays laughed heartily and looked at me. Ho ho, of course, Jack. You think that was something like that wouldn't fuck a person up? I was confused, but smiled nonetheless. Things had just gotten very strange. But I mean, you said you were all on drugs or something, right? No one no one got too terribly hurt. You were all okay, right? He got almost cartoonish with his sadness in the next several seconds. Of course we didn't, Jack. Why do you think I'm here right now? I was puzzled, quickly filled with, that, with a thousand questions that I wanted to ask him, but I let him carry on. 
Tim fucking... He didn't make it, Jack. He laughed. His laugh turned suddenly to tears. <laughs> oh, fucking took him. They, they did. I, I don't even know. Cops told us we were just drunk, that he wandered off and got taken by the wildlife he didn't know. He didn't see it, Jack. Uh, to, to, uh, to say something very quickly, I can't see the formulation of, like, a blank phrase and then they, they did without reading it in a Cockney accent. She's like, <laughs> oh, fucking took them, they did. Fucking I don't took even know. They Cops told did. us we were just drunk. Oh, they sorry. Terrible they Cockney did. accent. Don't, don't. <laughs> it's on point, though. It's on point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, fucking took them, they did. Uh, I was absolutely stone-faced at this point. Mr. Mays was carrying along like I knew the actual story, but I didn't. His friend disappeared. I, I didn't know. I wish they'd have found the body, though. Then we could have shown them. He sighed. Oh, that's a bad place, Jack. I don't know anything else to say. It's a bad place. He carried on for a couple minutes more about his friend and the fun they had before they went on that trip, and I let him talk. It was only a few minutes later that his phone rang. Oh, hello, sweetheart. I'll, he whispered in. I'll be he out in, in the a phone. second. I Gags. love you, baby. <laughs> the person on the other end hung up the phone, and Mr. Mays got up to leave. It's been nice seeing you, Jackie. You got a good head on your shoulders, boy. Make sure you use it. And he began to walk out of the bar. Mr. Mays! I yelled after him. Yeah, Jack. He turned back towards me. Where'd you say all the showers business took place? Where... Hell, didn't I mention it? Somewhere outside Broken Bow, Nebraska. Fucking hell on earth, if you ask me. Mr. Mays walked out of the bar after waving to me, running into the wall before eventually finding the door. <laughs> that was the last time I would see him. I'd never been able to tell him the impact he had on my life, or rather the impact that his story had on me. He'd never know about the trip we took after graduation, almost mimicking the one he and his friends had made. He'd never know that th he would never know that the things he saw at that place were real. Why? Well, he died about a month later. Later, his liver failed him. It's all right though, because his family was with him in the hospital room. He got to die around people that cared about him, and that's all I can ask for for a man like that. Why? <laughs> yeah, I, I love a the good, idea. It's a great way. I love the idea that this kid has a high school teacher, you know, likes him well enough, but only knows him as well as you would know a high school teacher, meets up with him one single time outside of that relationship, and then feels like he like has the audacity to be like, yeah, that's a fine way to die. I knew him well enough. He would have he would have loved to have died like this. <laughs> Fucking alcoholic just drinks oh, himself to death. Jack is a stone cold sociopath. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm excited. He got to die around people that cared about him. That's all I can ask for for a man like that. 
I just, I'm sorry, I can't get over that sentence. It's I, great. I experienced that place too, several years later. That's where my story turns. The following is the story of how I came out. Is that, is the story of how, <laughs> how I, I came, came out of <laughs> the closet. God damn it. Uh, the following is the story of how I came to find the showers and why I will never, ever go anywhere near a bra Nebraska ever again. I'll finish this story when I'm sober. The memory is clear enough. Great. What a great first part. <laughs> what a, what a, what a wonderful first part. How do you feel about it so far? <laughs> um, I, I apologize for uh, some of my, some of my readings there. There were a fair amount of typos in like, there, there were. And, and I do, I do want to just remind, um, for, for both you and listeners, this is creepy pasta. You know, this is the stakes. The stakes are lower. Yeah, there's no copy. I guess here. the stakes are a little bit lower. <laughs> um, I, under I'm, I understand. I'm into the premise, though. I just wish there was more detail about what the fuck he was talking about. They went, they went into an underground tunnel. The tunnel opened to a door, and in a room, there were a lot of dirty children standing under shower heads. Yeah, pretty much. That does that about sum it up? And yeah, at yeah, some point a, the kids shower at tunnel. some point the kids ran for the for the people and at, and we're now led to believe that one of them didn't make it out of there because of these kids. This is Is that the we're, idea? We're, we're straying into like very dangerous how many kindergartners could you fight territory? But I'm I'm just going to say that like I a could fight bunch. a lot I could fight a lot of particularly cave-dwelling children. They cannot be well-fed. They've got to be fucking emaciated and, like, weak. Oh, I could kick, I... Them, I could kick them off all day. All I... day. So if, it, if this guy died, even if he had a head wound, if this guy got dragged away by a bunch of uh, little stupid uh, cave kids, that's on him. Right. You're, you're a college kid at that point, and you can't handle a bunch of, you know, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds. Um... So that that crosses over into odd kids territory for me a little bit, because one of my favorite no sleep stories that we've read on the show, I believe it's episode 62. Um, it's called Odd Kids. The, the twist is that these um, sack shaped people turn out to be amalgamations of bugs just kind of acting in, uh, you know, as a as a uh, humanoid whole. Uh, it's uh -huh. like a hive mind kind of fungal effect um, right. where all of the bugs are just working in tandem and they fill body suits, basically. Ooh. At one point, you're led to believe that one of these bug filled bodies like they look like little kids, right? They look like a, a let's just say a 10 year old, like a 10 year old girl. They sure. imply that one of them falls out of a tree to kind of latch onto the back of one of the characters at one point. And I can't help but think, like, if I see a 10-year-old coming for me in the trees, there is no way in hell I don't just plant a fucking, like, uppercut fist right through, oh its, right through its goddamn stomach. Because you do not jump out of a fucking tree like a koala onto me, good sir. Um, and when the twist is revealed that it's just bugs, part of me always thought like my fist would go through that fucking thing. 
Um, uh, and and I, I do they have exoskeletons underneath? The no. Thing? See, here's yeah, the they, thing. They they were they were think Oogie Boogie, right? Think okay. Think Oogie Boogie from Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-huh. These are these are skin. So so they steal the skin of people, right? They kill people mm-hmm. and they and they wear their skin. And under the skin is just bugs. Oh yeah. So I'm sure it yeah. can hold a form, right? Like it can hold a lumpy kind of form. Yeah. But like you could you could throw a karate chop right through its entire body, you know what I'm saying? Right. So so you can you can at least crumple it. Right, knock it over, like bust its head open, you know, do just whatever to to self-preserve. And even in this situation I can't help but think like, yeah, man, I'd end up killing a bunch of kids because like uh, I would at least I would at least end up injuring a lot of them. Some, not, not like not for the purpose of injuring them, but like I would I would No, kick something's a lot. coming at me like with its teeth showing, trying to drag me off into darkness. I'm grabbing its fucking head and smashing it into the ground <laughs> like I am I am doing anything I can to fucking survive and let me let me also be clear um whenever I go camping or whenever I go on like road trips or something I absolutely have a weapon in my car and there is no way in hell I'm going down into a basement uh you know just a uh, trap door in the middle of goddamn nowhere but I'm not going down there unarmed. So even if I do find myself in this situation, I either have a hammer, a crowbar, or a machete because I own each of those things and I have gone camping with each of those things multiple times. And I and I For think sure. and I think to myself, what if something comes running at us in the night? You know, I want to be able to defend myself, even if it's just a person, you know. Uh, you at least pick up a rock, right? If I if I if I go right, down also some, true, some steps, like just just to your to your necessities there, your 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 if, simple bare necessities. If I go down some steps and I see a tunnel that appears to be a mile long, uh, I mean, first of all, I don't go down it. We no no no. You and I are not the people to go down that 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 no, tunnel. No, and I know that there are some people that would, um, but yeah, I don't know. I call bullshit. Either Tim is remarkably weak, uh, and he. You know, he deserved the death that he got. <laughs> uh, or these aren't real children. We're gonna fi- we're gonna find out. Oh, if there's a supernatural element at work, yeah, then you're definitely fucked. But if yeah. we're just going off of little kid rules, I'm fucking some kids up. I'm putting some oh, yeah. kids in the ground. Hundred <laughs> percent. And that's and that's what I thought of odd kids as well. It's like I, there, there's no way these things because they they. Uh, I think the plot is about a twelve year old and a thirteen year old, and I think about seven of these things. Um, swarm the kids and knock them out. Mm. And and for the life of me, as I was reading it with my buddy, where am I? Um, I just kept telling myself there's no fucking way something like this has the ability to, like, make me go unconscious. There's no way it's putting me in a sleeper hold. There's no way that it's, like, putting something over my nose or mouth. There's I would bite, you know? I would thrash. I would... <laughs> I, I can I can be very fucking volatile if I even if it means fucking crawling out of there, you know, like I'm willing yeah. to let each of my limbs go numb, but I will absolutely not be caught alive, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, I just love it's You see it so many times in, in zombie movies when like someone will get like two or three zombies on them 
And, and they're just they like, oh, the, oh, they do the very oh, classic, and then like, they lay back, throw their arms up into the air and their head up into the air and just start screaming. It's like they're drowning. Yes. Right. Like they're not they're not making any lateral. Movements. The worst, not the worst to, crowd surfers of all time. They just like they go limp and they're like, well, yep, I'm, this is the eating. I'm getting eaten now. <laughs> this is the I've eating. <laughs> Oh right, so shit! Part, part two. I I will wanna... I will take over, but you can continue reading for main character, and I will continue reading for anyone else. Okay. I'm sorry if I ramble. Just kidding. Winky face emoji. I'm awake now, semi sober, semi chub, and ready <laughs> to finish this for you guys, the internet, and whoever cares to hear it. I didn't find out that Mr. Mays had passed away until a couple of months after the funeral services. Initially, I was going to seek out his family in order to send my condolences, but it wasn't as if Mr. Mays and I were best friends or anything like that, so he deserved to die that way. <laughs> I refrained. I continued through my college career and graduated a year or so after our bar meeting. Graduating with English as my major wasn't a mistake. <laughs> Yes, it was. <laughs> but it wasn't exactly something that landed me any sort of immediate jobs after college, which is why it's a mistake. Now I saved a pretty solid amount of money while I was in school and decided that I deserved a bit of a vacation, if you will. I will. I took my spare cash, got together with my college buddy Steve, packed up and hit the road, aiming for somewhere in the Rockies. Steve I, is too much like Tim. Steve is too close <laughs> Steve to Steve is gone. It, it, Steve is done yeah, for. Yeah, so fucking Steve dead. is no more. <laughs> I had lived near Littleton, Colorado. Well, you know, 420 Blaze It. When I was younger and remembered loving the area, so this destination was as good as any. The trip was a success. We made it somewhere around Est's Park and found a cheap cabin that we rented for about a month. The days were filled with lounging, smoking to ganja, hiking, and generally things that involved little to no work on our part. After our rental was through, we packed up again and headed on our way back east. Sometime during the trip, we met up with a couple Estes Park natives in our local bars. We never typically, uh, you know, hung, hung dong with them or anything like that. We just had conversations now and then over drinks and food. One night, these guys were paying their tab and packing up to leave awfully early. They were usually there until the wee hours of the morning. When we questioned them about it, they told us that they were headed to a little get-together with some friends of theirs. And then he did this little, like, uh, pseudo-cocaine gesture where he snorts something off his thumb. And oh, they invited I us. he was going to do the, like, okay symbol with one hand. You know, <laughs> finger, other hand. <laughs> Buttholes. Having, together, you know? having nothing else to do, we hopped in the car and followed them to the quote-unquote party. <laughs> the party itself was very low-key and ultimately <laughs> very high-key gay and ultimately <laughs> inconsequential to this story. That's, that's how I know. That's how I know he experimented. He was like, you know, we can brush past this part. Not, it's not important. It's not I important. Did, I, just, I didn't learn anything However, about myself on this trip. However, the important thing about it was that at some point in the night, we were all sitting around a fire swapping ghost stories, because duh. The only thing they were swapping. Ayo, sorry. <laughs> fluids. 
At this point in my life, I wasn't as much of a ham as I was in my younger years, but with a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of that ganja I mentioned, I started on a couple of stories that I remember telling in my youth. And eventually, I made it to Mr. May's story about the showers. Every time that I had told it after hearing it from Mr. May's, I decided to spice it up a little bit, but out of some sort of subconscious respect for my former teacher. I went straight into the version that he told from my class in my sophomore year of high school. The group enjoyed my story for the most part, the showers being the mutual favorite among the party goers. You know, I'm, I'm the shit. Steve and I left for the cabin at around five in the morning and he asked me about that story on the drive home. I told him all about Mr. May's, that class, my love for everything horror related and whatnot, and he suggested that we try to find the place on our return trip to New York. And I thought, what a wonderful idea. It, it fucking ruined my teacher's life and haunted his dreams. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Initially, <laughs> Even if the story wasn't real, like something happened there that traumatized him to the point that he drank himself to death. And he's just like, yeah, let's, do <laughs> let's do it. Initially, I was reluctant simply because I didn't feel like aimlessly wandering through Nebraska for days, looking for some old farm building that was probably demolished at this point. But... But I, I ended up going anyway. <laughs> A couple of days before we left Colorado, I told Steve that it sounded like fun. We weren't going to be able to do another trip like this for a long time, so I figured that we might as well make the best of it. And by best of it, I mean the worst of it. Wandering around Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, there's, we could have we gone to any number of places that people know about, but instead, I decided this would be the best. Somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought of it as a little tribute to Mr. Mays, a guy that, in retrospect, helped me realize that I wanted to be a writer and yet drank himself to death and I don't really know him as a person. I don't know. It was a great death. That's what I hear. Anyway. That's what I've been told. <laughs> we left Colorado and made the long, boring, and barren drive to Broken Bow, Nebraska, or... Hell on earth, as Mr. Mays had put it. We found a motel in town and hung around for a couple of days, venturing out a hundred miles or so in every, any given direction each day after that. I remembered Mr. Mays telling us that it was somewhere outside of Broken Bow, but I don't think he got any more specific than that. We tried asking the townsfolk if they had any information about the showers, but we were usually met with blank stares or eye-rolling when we told them what exactly this place was. The only person who seemed to know anything about it was an older lady that worked at a gas station on the outskirts of town. I don't recall her name, but this woman was just one of those cheerful old people, very helpful and generally interested in what anyone had to say. Steve had started talking to her at checkout, and she had asked about our license plate, commenting about the fact that we were very far from home. We had nowhere in particular to be, so Steve and I ended up talking to this woman for about 15 minutes, at which point we brought up our hunt for the place known as The Showers. Initially, the name didn't ring any bells with the woman, which made sense seeing as Mr. Mays had just given it that name after his experience there, but when I began to describe the details that I remembered from the story, the friendly old woman interrupted me. Her tone wasn't scornful or mean in any way, but she became very terse and deliberate with her words from that point on. People don't deal with anything relating to that sort of business around here anymore. She told us. That was all a long time ago. 
Following her statements, she attempted to be cheerful again, excusing herself <laughs> to the restroom and wishing us on the best to our trip to New York. Steve and I returned to the car without a word. Both of us were thinking about what the lady had said. Again, she didn't seem to be angry at all. She just didn't want to hear another word about it. We were driving back to the hotel before Steve said something. I mean, if I had to live in a place associated with an urban legend or something like that, I would totally mess with anyone who asked about it, he said. I mean, eventually you just get tired of people asking about it, and so you just try to scare them to get them to shut up, wouldn't you? I agreed with Steve and Classic kept driving. Steve. Classic Steve, man. I want to die as this voice and be like, yeah, but the whole experience <laughs> wasn't sitting right with me. If this was sort of well-known legend in the area, why did no one else in town seem to know anything about it? I managed to shrug it off. Mind you, neither of us was scared of finding the showers. This little excursion on our road trip was more like a scavenger hunt or a, a cap off to an overall relaxing vacation with murder. Steve and I were basically like tourists, hunting from the site at which a famous movie was filmed or something like that. A you know, famous okay, murder would, location. I would like to I would like to rewind to Steve and I were basically like tourists. No, you were you were tourists. You were not from the place and you were This person around. does not nail himself down to any type of word. Hey, you, we were basically like a tourist in that We were, we were almost we're kind of trying to maybe could have. We went into the whole situation with little to no expectations and a fleeting hope that we would be able to find this place. We spent another day in Broken Bow before we took our next trip out to try to find the showers. Nebraska isn't as terrible a place as he, people make it out to be, but it really isn't all that exciting. We found a bar and spent some time there, and that was just about the extent of our activity on our day off. When we did get back to the road, we decided that we would attempt to stay off of main roads for as much of the day as we could. I knew that there was no way that this place was going to be off of a highway, and I remember some detail about a dirt road in Mr. May's story, so we went looking for those. This was a fairly futile effort, most of Nebraska is dirt roads. I'm glad it was... that that's where the story went. I was really, really hoping, part of me, that he would just be like, and then I found the dirt road. The dirt road. It was seven in the evening when we came upon a small but thick forest. I use the term lightly, but for Nebraska, this place was like an oasis. The trees were full and thick, shrouding most of its thick insides in thick darkness. The sun was setting, and even though we had run into a few of those random crops of trees, we agreed that this one showed more promise than any of the others. There wasn't really a road, but there looked to be a path where a road might have been at some point what is the evolution of a path? Does a path become a trail? Does a trail become a road? Or Not is it vice versa? Not what makes a street? It was basically a road. We were basically like tourists, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there might be. It might not be. It might be. It might not. But there looked to be a path where a dirt road might have been at some point. <laughs> so we drove along that. If the car was able to handle the Rocky Mountains, a dirt path trail street portion in Nebraska would give us no trouble. 
That's, what an insane thing to say. If I could drive on paved roads in the Rockies, I could drive into the woods in Nebraska. The woods. <laughs> we moved slowly and carefully <laughs> along this trail, making sure to clear any fallen trees in the roads or rocks that would render the car useless when the sun finished setting. It was pretty dark in the place during the day, but when night came, it was something else entirely. I had an inkling at this point that we had found the right place, but I didn't want to jinx it, so we continued onward. I didn't realize it at the time, but there were little bits of light that managed to penetrate the canopy in this thick miniature forest actually did, and it looked as if the tree branches were trying to grab the car, just like Mr. Mays had mentioned in his story. I'm still convinced that he made up the part about the animal eyes, though. The most aggressive creature we saw in the woods was a dead rabbit on the side of the trail. It didn't have any obvious signs of death, it just looked like it had simply laid down and neither bothered to get up. We drove around in darkness for quite a while before we found a clearing. We had to move several smaller clusters of branches out of the way, but right in front of our exit was a giant dead monster of a tree. There was no way we were moving this one, so we got out and turned on the bright headlights in hopes that it would illuminate the area in front of us. There was a feeling of excitement mixed strangely with fear when I saw what lay fifty feet beyond, beyond the clearing. There, lit partially by the headlights from the car and a little bit of light from the crescent moon, the, the crescent moon, Crescenta, as the Italian was what, say. right, as, as Al Pacino would say, was what appeared to be an old barn house. This wasn't a typical farmhouse. It was larger than the barns that I had seen in films and didn't have any sort of crest. It basically looked like a small warehouse. I wasn't entirely sure at this point if this was the place we were looking for, but this was definitely the closest we had come. I moved through the brush until I was roughly 20 feet from the entrance, at which point all the growth seemed to stop. I didn't know if the owners had done something to the soil, but the whole structure had a border around it that was clear of any sort of plant life. I approached the entrance to the building, a large sliding door, as Steve came up behind me with two flashlights in hand. So, so you're just going to run into that place <laughs> in the dark? He laughed. <laughs> I gave a half-hearted chuckle and grabbed one of the lights from his hand. Mine was a little but pretty bright flashlight. It was the kind that hikers would most likely fasten to their backpacks just in case they were stranded at night. It worked well enough. I grabbed the metal door with both hands, holding the flashlight with my mouth, and gave it a tug. It moved slightly, creaked a bit, but there was no way I was doing this by myself. Steve came up from behind, set his flashlight on the ground, grabbed the door, and said, One, two, three! We pulled to the door with all that we could muster. Once we had managed to move it a couple of inches, it must have latched back onto its track because it slid very easily, stopping hard with a loud and echoing thud when it was completely open. Steve picked up his flashlight and walked behind me. I had already moved inside. The inside of the structure was exceptionally bare, almost troublingly so. I wasn't entirely sure how far we were from the nearest home or small town, but there wasn't even the slightest bit of evidence that anyone had been in this building for years. There was no broken beer bottles or empty bags of chips. There weren't any animal droppings or eager plants that managed to grow here. The room was expansive, larger than your average farm, but 
not the warehouse-sized monstrosity that I had believed Mr. Mace had described in his story. I was sure that it was simply a holding area for farming equipment or something similar at some point. Disappointed, I wandered near the entrance while Steve ventured into the expanse of darkness, never to be seen again. As I was running over the details of the story in my mind, something struck me like a sack of bricks. In Mr. May's story, there was a silo near the barn, and I ran outside, my eyes adjusting easily because at the very least it was brighter outside. I looked in all directions, running around the perimeter of the building. Surely, if there was ever a silo near this place, there would have been some evidence of, some, of it somewhere, but despite my hopes, there was nothing but a cluster of thick bushes on one side, brush and dirt everywhere, and the forest that we had come from. I walked back into the building, frustrated and tired. Steve was a little excited, eagerly running around the inside of the building. Even if I could just find a showerhead or a pipe, he said, then we'd know it was true. Just keep looking with me. I didn't want to ruin his excitement. I had told Steve the story several times, but obviously he didn't realize that this just wasn't the place. This building was weird, yeah. It was out of place and oddly pristine, but it wasn't the location of the showers. I let him explore for a little bit before I called him over. This was probably as close as we're going to get to it, man, I said, but this isn't it. Remember the silo? His face went from excitement to disappointment in an instant, much like a young child who didn't get the presents he wanted on his birthday. I patted him on the shoulder. Steve's this is not the birthday boy. <laughs> He's not Dick the birthday boy. <laughs> this is still pretty cool, though. I mean, we could still tell people that we found it. I was reverting back to my old habits quickly. <laughs> <laughs> of lying to everyone. Yeah, just, just lying. <laughs> Steve laughed. Yeah, man, I guess we could. It's definitely creepy enough. We should get some pictures as proof, you know? I agreed with him. I'm going to go grab the camera really quick, he said as he bolted out the entrance of the building, and I was left alone in the building. <laughs> it was very quiet when I was alone in there. I could hear the faint sound of Steve running through the brush into the car, but once he was far enough away, everything was quiet. I remember not even hearing wind or the chirping of crickets as I walked deeper into the dark, flashlight in hand. What forest is this? I was convinced that there had to be something. As I approached the far corner of the room, the sound of my feet scratching against the dirt was interrupted by a soft, hollow thud. I stopped, trying to figure out what it was. I put my foot down hard against the ground and heard it. I stomped one more time, realizing that the floor that I was standing on was covering something hollow. I walked to the wall of the room, looking carefully at the floor to try to spot any holes or gaps. As far as I had known, it was solid ground that this thing sat atop, so I was convinced that I had found a hatch or a basement or something. I heard, heard Steve coming back through the brush as I shouted, Steve, come over here, it's hole. And as I went to say the word hollow, I hopped a little bit, hoping to recreate the sound so that he would be able to hear it upon entering the door. And the second that my feet made contact with the floor, I felt it give out beneath me. What a dumb, 
dumb thing for this man to do. It's what like, a very, <laughs> very it's hollow, stupid like thing to do. Him. You know, it's, I love to go ice skating because I walk out into the thinnest area and I start jumping. I love skating. <laughs> the, moment of, the moment of the fall, the, the hypothermia is my favorite. The memory of the fall was fuzzy, but I do recall hearing wood splinter. I remember seeing the light from Steve's flashlight falling away into complete darkness. It wasn't a long fall, but I must have fallen in a terrible position because I know that I lost consciousness for several seconds at least. At least. At least. At least. When I, maybe. When I woke up, I was staring at a bright light, and for an instant I thought my thoughts approached the fable, the light at the end of the tunnel. I was angry at myself. You died in Nebraska, Jack? Wow. You do know how to fuck up. Yeah, you didn't die like an alcoholic. <laughs> like a real man. <laughs> I you died in Nebraska good, like an idiot. I hear that's like, a good guy, way to go. This guy's taxonomy of death is super fucked up. I can't figure it out. Like, what's a good death and what's a bad death? <laughs> no, no system for, for divining. My self-deprecation in the afterlife was interrupted by what sounded like Steve's voice. Jesus, Jack. Jack, can you hear me? Dude, wake up, please, wake up. He screamed. I managed to lift my head up off the floor just enough for him to celebrate. The pain in my head was immense, but it was outweighed by the pain shooting through my knee. I knew I had a concussion, but the pain in my knee was just so much more pressing. I looked around until I found my tiny flashlight, then sat up and reassured Steve. I'm, I'm okay, I just, I hurt my knee. I, I bumped my head too, really hard. Thank fuck, man. I thought you were dead. Imagine that, though. Dying in fucking Nebraska. It'd be awful. <laughs> His words made me laugh a little bit, but I stopped myself. The slightest shaking hurt my head and made me incredibly dizzy. I guess a rope? Said Steve. <laughs> what is a rope? <laughs> I guess. A rope? A rope, I guess. <laughs> what? I asked quietly. Should I go get a rope to get you out of here? Or do you see a ladder? I looked around the walls that sat in front of me and they were smooth cement. There was no way I was climbing out of here. Y yeah, yeah, get the rope, I told him. It's buried under all of our stuff. I think it might be in my red climbing bag. I'm not sure. Steve nodded, telling me to hang in there, and that he would be back in a little bit, and then he ran off. The silence that followed was... uncomfortable. After the sound of Steve's feet scraping the floor above me faded away, I was only able to hear that buzzing that occurs in tonal silence intertwined with the pulsing in my head. I pushed myself over to the nearest cement wall and braced myself against it, resting and breathing deep in any attempt to calm myself. The cement was naturally cold against my back. It was summer, so I only had a t-shirt on, but it felt like ice, even through that. Again, this observation was primarily made after the fact. In the moment, it just felt good to lean against something. Uh, rewinding real quick, what does he mean when he says the buzzing that only comes when uh, it's completely silent? Is this the author, like... Uh self-reporting that he has tinnitus but doesn't know. He is, yeah, he has tinnitus. <laughs> He's like, yeah, um, you know that, that buzzing, that high-pitched whine that's always there? What well, do you they mean say, not everyone has? 
Well, they say if you've if you've ever been like a in a completely soundproof room, um, they you they hear, like your pulse. You hear your own heartbeat. You know. Yeah, like, sure. You, that's not a buzzing. Though. That's not a buzzing though. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious what this man's on about. He has a tinnitus. <laughs> I sat there waiting for Steve in this underground basement, and I began to feel uneasy. I felt like an idiot for falling down here, just because you are. I felt pain from my injuries as well. You deserve them. That all seemed to fade into one emotion in an instant when I heard what I can only identify as breathing somewhere to my left. I convinced myself that it was my injured mind playing tricks on me for a few moments until my mind decided to rapidly relay Mr. May's story. When I had first heard it in that classroom years before, I was more impressed than I was scared. But now, sitting in a dark basement in the middle of Nebraska, I felt something that I hadn't felt in a long time. It couldn't even be summed up by the word fear. As I sat there, I felt an all-encompassing dread. I pointed my flashlight to my left, the direction from which I thought I heard the sound, and the light didn't even reach the other wall. It was too far away but I was comforted to see absolutely nothing there. I breathed deeply for a couple more seconds before I heard another noise in the darkness. It was very quick, and I cannot be sure that it wasn't my own body moving around without my noticing, but I thought that I had heard a scraping sound not ten feet in front of me. It sounded like the noise your feet make when you're walking across a dirt-covered floor. Those are called footsteps. Uh, that, for any for any <laughs> listeners out there, there's your, a word for that one. Your number one footfalls, my bro. Before I could react, I heard the breathing to my left again, closer this time. There was no way that this was real. I hadn't seen so much as a spider web in this building, and now I was convincing myself that something next to me was breathing. I was angry at myself for getting so worked up. I told myself that the human brain is constantly hallucinating. I told myself that while in silence or darkness, the brain will make sounds to fill in the gap or make you think you see things that aren't there. And I channeled my inner skeptic in order to calm myself. And it worked. And it worked until I saw a flash of something in front of me. I can't be entirely sure what it was, but I heard the accompanying sounds of feet scraping against the floor, and I began to swell with dread. I decided that my best course of action at this point was to turn off my flashlight, assuming that if they couldn't see me, they couldn't get me, whatever they might be. Dude, it's a long, straight hallway. What are you talking? There's only... They'll get no, you one th- way or the other. I think he might be in the room. Oh... I think he hasn't reached... He's still on the ground. I don't think he's reached up and realized that there's a faucet on the wall behind him. Got it, okay. Cool. I think that's I think that's gonna... That, that's that, gonna... that would make more sense. I assume he'd fallen into the tunnel, in which case, you know, like... I don't think so and at, at this specific moment. Um, just because the, the noises didn't come until they were in the room, you know? True, um, true. And he also... I, I'm just jumping to that conclusion. I don't know. He also um, says he's pushing his back against concrete, and there wasn't concrete until... And there uh, wasn't concrete yeah. until they were in the room. It was just corrugated metal and dirt. So, yeah. Okay, my bad. Uh, no, 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 not bad. Just, I I, that's that's my guess. That's my assumption. The writer yeah. hasn't clarified yet. I'm right there with you. I turned off my flashlight and was left in a complete and total darkness. The bulb of the flashlight faded as it cooled, and I put it into my pocket, simultaneously pushing back against the cold cement wall in an attempt to stand. 
I managed to get up on my feet, well foot, and I found that I couldn't stand to put any pressure on my injured knee. I limped to the corner, humming to myself, trying to break the deafening silence, which would uh, give out my position to everything in the room around me. I called for Steve as loud as I could manage, which would also give away my position in this room. I couldn't manage, but heard no response. He was probably in the back of the car, still hunting for the rope. There had to be a ladder or something somewhere. I continued to hum, and my heartbeat, which had been beating almost out of my chest, slowed to a manageable rate. I moved along the cement wall, keeping my whole body against it and the weight of my off my injured knee. I had traveled what I guessed to be about ten feet when I, my head made contact with something in front of me. I tumbled to the ground. My concussion must have amplified the pain because it was blinding. I reached both hands to my forehead when I felt something warm and wet with my fingers. I searched for a cut anywhere on my forehead, but I couldn't find one. I desperately searched for my flashlight as I sat up and tried to get back against the wall. And I grabbed the light in my right hand, bracing against the wall with the other, and I turned it on and pointed it into the darkness where I was just lying. The floor was wet, but the dirt had muddled the color of whatever liquid that was. I tried to get my eyes to focus on the puddle, tried to convince myself that it was my blood when I saw another drop fall into the puddle. Words lack the ability to describe the way I felt when I heard the drip noise again, and saw yet another tiny ball of liquid fall into the puddle. I think I knew even then exactly what the source was, but I was endlessly trying to convince myself that I was wrong. Even though this is what I was looking for the entire time. I lifted endless, the flashlight. And, I was endlessly for a moment trying to convince myself. <laughs> I lifted the flashlight up and pointed it at the source of the liquid. And what stared back at me was a pipe that protruded at least a foot out from the cement wall. The metal was rusted and cracked. Little bits of liquid began to seep from them. At the end of the pipe was a simple shower head aimed down towards the ground. You know that feeling when your stomach drops. In this case, I think mine literally did because I vomited immediately. <laughs> not a very good, uh, not very good at dealing with stressful situations there, are you, bud? Oh man, rip this man's interstitial fluids. His organs are all over the place. It got all over my shoe. <laughs> but that wasn't the least bit important at the time stupid shoe. I ignored the pain in my knee and shuffled along the wall as fast as I could. I heard noises but I can't be sure if there was just the sounds of my own movement or something around me and I managed to duck under the next shower head. This one was higher up on the wall and seemed to be leaking the same liquid that the other one was. I felt like I was moving along something infinite. Every now and then I would have to duck or move under another metal bar, another shower head. They began to pour more profusely, but the liquid was too thick to come out easily. The room began to smell. I remember immediately the way that Mr. Mace had described it. I grabbed my shirt and put it over my nose, trucking onward, but it didn't stop the smell for an instant. It smelled like vomit. It smelled like shit. It smelled like burnt hair. It smelled like rot. I was still moving against the wall when I fell into some sort of outlet. I hit the door. I hit the dirt ground hard, adrenaline coursing through my veins, the pain still managed to break through. My flashlight was still in my hand, I aimed it and examined my surroundings. 
and sitting in front of me was a doorway. There was a door there, though it looked aged now. It had a nice little design on it, a doorknob, and a knocker that looked like a snarling demon. Red paint was peeling from it, flaking off and falling to the ground in front of me. I clumsily rose and busted through the door, narrowly missing a piece of hanging sheet metal in front of me. I was crawling now. There was no way that I could run. The walls and ceiling were lined with metal, the kind that you would see on the roof of a farm. Little pieces of wood seemed to brace the sheets, holding the makeshift tunnel together. I couldn't risk sliding against that and possibly cutting myself on the metal or hitting the wood and causing a cave-in, so I crawled. I pulled myself for what felt like miles running into walls every now and then because the path seemed to curve like a snake. I had no idea where I was in relation to the hole that I had fallen through, but I told myself that there was an exit at the end of this. Had I not been crawling, I would have surely hurt myself far worse. There were parts of the tunnel in which the ceiling dipped down to maybe three feet above ground. It hadn't caved in because the ceiling still lined it. Someone had built it like this. This, again, is in hindsight. I didn't care at the time. I kept telling myself there was nothing behind me, but I swore that I heard scraping of feet only a few inches behind my own. My jeans would brush up against my legs every now and again, making it feel like someone was touching me, and even now I still can't completely convince myself that someone wasn't. I crawled and crawled until I reached an upslope, and with joy I looked ahead of me, there was a cellar door. The door was made of wood. I knew this because I could see light through it. I couldn't be sure, but I thought it might have been the light from a car's headlights. Besides all of that, I was just so immensely happy to find an exit. I crawled all the way to the door and threw my shoulder into it, and it budged but didn't open. I began to scream, but my throat seared with pain. The most I could manage was a harsh crying noise. It sounded like a dying animal. Why is why can he not shout? Did he did he did he slice his trachea I'm so, on something? I'm so scared. He's just yeah okay. I collapsed in exhaustion and pain, my eyes staring up at the slits of light before me. I was so close to being out of here I could taste it. And it was in that moment of silent defeat that I heard a noise that was, without question, something moving in the tunnel. It sounded like something was being dragged across the floor. It would move, pause for a second, and move again. I had nothing left in my stomach to throw up, but again, I began to gag. <laughs> oh! Why I gathered. Is his, <laughs> why is his first reaction to oh, fear? I'm gonna die. I'm There's gonna die. <laughs> I gathered myself slightly, only slightly, and tried to steady my hand enough to focus the flashlight in the tunnel. I hate this. I, I hate when they explain things. <laughs> I hate when they explain. Things. What I saw, I can still not rationalize. I know what I saw, but I cannot convince myself that it was actually there. I can't stop telling myself that I was hallucinating. I saw a child in a dirty sleeping gown. The gown was stained with something dark and brown with occasional splashes of a deep red, and the child was extremely frail. Like the pictures that people might see 
of a Holocaust victim. I could only make out one eye brightly reflecting the light of my flashlight in between huge tufts of long, dirty hair. It reached down beyond the fingertips of the child, which were caked with dirt. The boy or girl, I'm not entirely sure, which moved towards me with difficulty. It wasn't breathing hard, but it seemed that every moment of every muscle took every ounce of strength that the child had. The thing that froze me, though, was the eye. It was only visible because it was reflecting my flashlight, but even in that glint, I could feel anger, or deep hatred, or something like it. This is the point in which the English language really lacks the right words to explain the situation, but the Chinese one could do so much better. Yeah, <laughs> this is the point at which I will now switch to German. Thank I will switch to German. Ein Meinstein. <laughs> so I could tell that this child meant me harm. Whether it was a hallucination or not, the thing was getting closer, and I started to cry. It was getting closer and closer when I heard a voice from behind me. What do you see? Wait, no, I, I jumped. No, no, no. It's, hey, it's, hey, Jack! Whispered. <laughs> whispered the voice. It was Steve. I was certain. I tried to talk back, fully intending to say, open this up and get me out right now. However, given my current state, I'm sure I just sounded like garbled nonsense. Yo, what is up with this guy? <laughs> he just like, like shuts down in any type of abrasive situation. Blah, blah, blah. I clawed at the door, pushing against it with everything that I had, and finally breaking eye contact with the child. As I did this, the flashlight rolled down the slope, coming to rest somewhere near the child's feet. What do you see? The voice asked. What are you talking about? I closed my eyes. Why would you close your eyes if you think there's a fucking person right now? Okay. I remember hearing a reply <laughs> along the lines of, just look at it. Tell me what you see. Is such a bad character choice. I don't think moments? I don't think Steve is saying it. Though. I don't think so either. But my own screams of frustration drowned it out. I was mumbling like a maniac when the voice told me calmly, "Uh, rest for a second. I'll get it." The statement took a second to settle in, at which point I closed my eyes tight. Steve, just do it, please. Please, just get it open, please, I whimpered. Just get me out of here. My voice was beginning to get louder. Steve, goddammit, open the fucking wooden door. I opened my eyes for a split second to see nothing but black hair dangling in front of my face, a small glint of light hidden in a mess of tangles. I slammed my eyes shut and screamed with every ounce of energy I had. Open the fucking door and the door behind me gave way and I fell onto the dirt, taking a breath of fresh air. My eyes how, were still how closed. Do you, how do you, with a cellar door, how do you fall out of it and onto the ground? <laughs> but the first thing that I, I, I can't answer that question. Yeah, there's literally no way. I'm, the, I'm, I'm posing that for the listener at home to imagine how that could How you can fall upwards. <laughs> But the first thing that I did was scramble to find the cellar door and close it. And once I had done that, I took a deep breath and opened my eyes. He did that with his eyes closed. You did that with your eyes closed? <laughs> I saw the barn in front of me, illuminated by the headlights of the car. 
My head was pulsing with pain. I was covered in dirt and liquid that I didn't even care to know the origin of. My knee was, at the very least, dislocated. But despite all of that, I was out of the tunnel. I took a deep breath, buried my head in my hands, and said, Steve, why didn't you just open the fucking door? And I waited for a response, but none came. Steve, seriously, I began. I was fucking clawing, screaming for life, I said as I looked behind me. My stomach must have been on the verge of falling out of me at that point because it shifted again. The only thing behind me was a large mass of bushes that I had seen while examining the parameter of the building. I was angry. Steve, this is not the fucking time. Come out of the fucking bushes. I was getting ready to stand up when I heard a yell from the front of the building. A flashlight bobbed up and down in the semi-darkness. Steve was running into the open door of the structure, yelling my name and telling me not to worry. I must have lost consciousness at that point. When I woke up, Steve was standing over me, desperately trying to wake me up. His words were almost incoherent, at least to my ears. He helped me to my feet and began to walk me to the car, and as we walked away, I saw my flashlight sitting just outside the cellar door. The light was fading. Steve brought me back to the car and then drove me to the nearest hospital. I fell asleep, but he told me that he drove around for an hour before he found a main road. I don't think I ever told him the whole story. I believe he thinks that I was just injured from the fall. He never really asked about it, and we didn't stay in contact for much longer. It's not like we deliberately parted ways, we just sort of stopped hanging out after that trip and went our separate ways. I've never been able to fully understand what happened that night. There are many things that I can't explain that I can explain away as being hallucinations, but there are still many things that don't make sense. The shower heads were there and they were leaking something. The door was real. The tunnel was real. Most everything else can be semi-rationalized if I can convince myself that I had a very bad concussion. A very, very bad concussion. But the one thing that I couldn't have imagined was the cellar door was locked. And then it suddenly wasn't. Wait, that's the thing? That, that is the thing. have imagined? Why? Why, Jack? Sorry. Because continue. it was locked and then it suddenly wasn't. Uh, Right. And then I fell up. And then I, yeah, and, and, which also after throwing happened. down. <laughs> I'm still as skeptical as I've ever been, but I believe in what happened to me at the showers. I'm not a hermit or a social retard because of this. <laughs> what? Where did where that come from? I drink a lot. <laughs> yeah, I am it. Mr. Maze. Oh my god. But I'm still functional. <laughs> I'll never return down. to Nebraska. No one will ever be able to convince me otherwise. I don't watch horror movies either. There's absolutely nothing entertaining about being so desperately scared. That's it, really. There is no typical ending for my story. I wasn't changed by my experience, yeah. I, I was changed by my experience. I was gonna say. I wasn't, because it was stupid. <laughs> but 
There's no way to change anything or fight back against it. I can't even convince myself to change anything about it. Oh, wait, I read that. I can't even convince myself that I wasn't just seeing things. Believe me, I've been trying for years. Trying to believe yourself? Believe me. Believe me. Believe, believe me. you. I've, I've been trying to believe me for help. Yeah, help me I've been trying me. to believe me for years. <laughs> Prior to this, there was really no way to find any information on the showers. The legends didn't extend outside the classroom of Mr. Mays. No one told stories like this to keep children away from a certain place or to scare them. You Yes, they, they did. They literally did that. What the fuck are you talking It just about? wasn't known. I guess that's really the point of this whole story. I want people to know firsthand what this place is like. Maybe it's a drunk's rationale or the kid inside me wanting to spread these kinds of stories again. I don't know. I don't care. But it's out there now for people to mold and warp to their needs. But most importantly, it's finally out of my head. It's getting late and I'm getting another drink. Cheers. Cheers. So the the fun thing about that is that's actually where Showers Part 1 ends. Like, he wrote that story as its own singular thing. Like, that is technically the Part 1. But because I want to be fair with how the episodes are structured, I do want to keep reading until we get to the halfway point that I have marked in, in the next part. Um, but anyway, let's talk about part two for just, for just a second. Um, I, I like, I like a lot of the aspects of what actually happened. If, if it had the ability to just be written better, <laughs> then it yeah. might actually be a pretty interesting concept. Like, we, we read one of my favorite series that we've read on the show is um, the search and rescue stories, which are told from the perspective of someone who works as a search and rescue like ranger in the middle of the woods. Each of the stories are written so incredibly well that you just love hearing what this guy has to say about the stories he's told and the things he finds and the weird things that happen that when he introduces stairs in the woods, you believe it. You think, oh, that's just mundane enough to work. And this is this is someone trying to do their their stairs in the woods, except they're not quite nailing it. You know, like they're they're like, oh, these showers and there might be little groundling children, maybe. Yeah, it's it, like they're hitting they're on to something with the idea of this sort of underground room that's super far removed that might have children in it. That's spooky, right? And that's fairly novel. Like it's not, Oh, it's sure. Not, it's not the typical place one might find haunted children. And so I'm kind of on board, but like, I'm a very... It's delivery. Yeah, I'm a very, uh, like, uh, word-by-word kind of writer. Like, I agonize when I Ye write... Uh, yes, over, the like, scrutiny over word, is high. Over word choice and like sentence by sentence, like I, I tend to write shorter things for that reason, um, because it's just it's it's harder for me. So like this has got some plot elements that I like, but boy, oh boy, from, from a sentence to sentence, uh, on, yes, on that sort I of know level. exactly what you're saying. Oh boy, but I th I think that's like a lot of um, a lot of horror writers are very obsessed with like the premise or the plot, 
and less obsessed with telling it the right way. Yeah, and they kind of forget that. I think know, that's fair. You gotta, you gotta also not put the words together in such an order that they make you laugh. Because then it doesn't matter how spooky the plot is. I so so just on my process a little bit, I always go back and read what I said out loud, and oh, yeah. and as a writer, sure. as a writer of various things throughout my entire life, I base it off of my own inflection because I, I I got A's in all of my writing classes. I took a lot of creating writing classes in college. I actually could have minored in English, but like I joked in the beginning, what's the fucking point in majoring, let alone yeah, minoring? Yeah, who, who and, and only an idiot. When, when I've written like some of my longest things, they're written with dialogue in mind. I, I, I have very interpersonal sequences, but even when I write about like a place, I tell myself to go back and read it out loud because I want my tone to be captured. So if I can read it or just hand it to someone and tell them to read it and they say, yeah, that sounds like you, like, I feel like I nailed it to a certain, you know, uh, respect. This person doesn't know how to talk. It's almost like they don't understand the human language because everything, it reminds me of the per se vampire kids from South Park who just keep saying per se after every sentence. Like this person thinks they're telling like a very intellectual and very like well-written story and they, they really aren't. (laughs) Yeah. The tone, the, like the general tone in like broad strokes is correct kind of maudlin and weird but the i think it's it's hampered by the fact that this character and i'm sure this is like a self insert thing this character has introduced himself as a writer has that's that's specifically right, what i mean has, has introduced himself i was just going to say it like who's, i who's supposed to it's be like only because they say i'm a storyteller and i like to tell stories and i've been telling stories for years to the point that i majored in english like no you didn't because yeah, you would bro. write a lot better than this if you majored in English. Oh, dude, I don't know. There were a lot of people in my English program that were uh, okay. Maybe very, not. Very, very. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too much. But, but like the where is it? Where he says like this doesn't end in a typical way. Yeah, there is no typical ending for my story. Like motherfucker, this is a typical ending for a horror story. What the fuck are you talking about? It's a very typical ending. This is There's an a, incre- the Deus Ex The Deus Ex yeah. Machina does not exist. You just magically find yourself outside of the circumstances that you were just in. Yeah. Like that's a very typical ending. I don't care, but it's out there now. Like it's just yeah, I mean like a lot of amateur writing is riddled with cliches and lots of awkward turns of phrases. And I would be much more willing to deal with that if this guy wasn't like, Haha, I'm a great writer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is so on point. I love that shit. Uh, mm. You want to take on this next this next short bit? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Before we before we round out this episode. Yeah. P3. Uh, what I have to assume <laughs> is a part three. But I think this is also, out, like, online. This is called Showers Part 2, I'm pretty sure. Oh, sick. Part 3, Showers Part 2. This time, it's the second one. Part 3. <laughs> Showers My- again. <laughs> My name is Jack, and some of you have me. Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a deeper sort of... You ever seen uh, Darth, uh, or Garth Marenghi's The Dark Place? Yes. Okay, good, yeah. I want to maybe... Very big, very big fan of The Dark Place. Uh, I only recently watched it, and I'm absolutely taken with it. Uh, But yeah, my name's Jack, and some of you may have read or heard a story about me. 
by me a few years back. I'm writing this from the same shitty laptop that I used to drunkenly post the showers on Reddit a little over five years ago. Oh, so it might be a no sleep. Uh, well, that's break, sad. That's sad. <laughs> uh, breaking from this is, do do you know whether he actually spent five years between these two? Uh, it's, he's probably telling the truth. Yeah, he's probably telling the truth. Uh, okay. That's that's upsetting to me because it means that the writing is definitely going to be better in part two. Um, yeah, just, probably. If he's, if he's written at all over the course of five years, he'll have accidentally gotten better. Or it could maybe. be another person completely. Ah, true. Well... You never, you never know with the internet. <laughs> I'm writing this from the same shitty laptop that I used to drunkenly post the showers on Reddit a little over five years ago. It has spent the better part of two years at the bottom of a box in my bedroom closet. I haven't had much use for it recently, and honestly, it isn't in the best of shape. The damn thing takes about 20 minutes to start up properly and dies the instant it unplugs from its charger. Some of the keys are missing, some of them stick. I've spent a good amount of time clumsily cleaning sugary soft drinks cut with whiskey out of every nook and cranny. But a thing can only take so much abuse before it just goes. Tonight, I got lucky. She managed to boot just for me. I think she has one more decent story left in her, for better or worse. Okay, hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Why old is, girl. Yeah, like, what, the, what, what is this? Old Bessie. Like, the fucking, the computer is saying, all right, I'll do one last job. Like It's, the, it's the old man sitting down at the typewriter going, oh, I still got it. The fucking computer is smoking a cigar and knows it's going to die once the story is over. Um, I don't really remember writing or posting either part of the showers. I do, however, remember feeling simultaneously listless and restless around that time period. Wait, listless and restless? You don't say. Uh, it's almost like they're synonyms. The same I was, word. <laughs> I was tremendously unproductive, not working in my chosen field, and had too much free time to spend thinking about those facts. I had told the story to some friends at the bar one night and shaken some memories loose which led to that post. I woke up one evening and hopped on my laptop to find the story thread was left open. I had typed it directly into the submission box, not leaving myself anything to edit. <laughs> okay, nice one. He's like, he's like, so if there were typos, that's exactly why. <laughs> um, I just forced it out of me over a couple of long, drunken, let me specify, very drunk nights and threw it up on the internet for everyone to see. I tried to read it, but even outside of the memories that I would have rather avoided, each spelling and grammatical error made me want to shoot whiskey or chug bleach. Oh my god. Dude, I love it. I love I'm glad it. we're getting this out of the way now before the next episode. <laughs> I love I love a guy who will interrupt his story just to be like, yeah, sorry for all the typos. fucking suck. <laughs> I'm sorry about that last story. Okay, hey Jackie, if you're listening, you don't have to mention it. You can just pretend that no one noticed and it doesn't matter. Just, just fucking do oh, you, dude. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, maybe want to shoot Blisky. Here, shoot, 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 shoot Blisky. Blisky, chug some weech, man. I went with the former. <laughs> okay, maybe want to shoot whiskey or chug weech. I went with the former, and as far as I can remember, I've never made it through the whole story as it was written. It seems pointless to go back and read it even now. I've lived through this all enough times in my head. I don't need to do that to myself. Here, I'm going to do it to myself. <laughs> you know, Here comes you, the story. You know, I had to do it to him, and by him, I mean me. Uh, I, I did read the comments, though. Old I, girl. I may, have, I may have hated myself, but seeing a bit of interest in my work gave my ego a boost, if only for a moment. Yeah, that's what you need, an ego boost. I went back every if now and only. then to check on them. 
But for the most part, I was forced to continue on with my stagnant life while the story spread quietly around the web. I worked as a bartender at the time and split my free hours between sleeping and drinking. These occasionally overlapped or synced up with work. It was a vicious little loop I had carved for myself. I wasn't a writer like I had hoped to be at that point in my life, so getting to play one on the internet for a few minutes every now and then helped to break up the monotony of reality. You know what's sad? Is, yeah. Um, I have no reason to suspect this, but I don't think this, this guy even is like a drunk. Like I think he he like he has this like valorized image of like, this, of like Mace, the, yeah. the drunken writer like stereotype. And oh, the drunken like, the the damaged writer, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like he's just talking about himself and everyone in his life as though they are that way. Like everyone's just like getting drunk to dull the pain. But like he also writes like a guy that doesn't get drunk. Yes, he keeps sense. mentioning how drunk you he know, is. You know, like, he's like, right. yeah, dude, I, like, I totally drink the alcohol. And when I'm, you know, like, if anything, I might have, like, a medical issue with it. <laughs> <laughs> Over the course of the next several months, I received several emails and friend requests from old classmates or strangers who had taken an interest in my story. My former classmates' messages generally consisted of their stories of Mr. Mays and his story, asking nothing in return. I'd guess that most of them were either married or lost and needed a dose of nostalgia as it picked me up could blame them, though some of them actually wanted to meet up, grab drinks, and really get into the past. I lived half a continent away from the town where I attended Mr. May's class at this point, but that didn't stop me from making empty offers of company to several people if our paths were to ever cross. I did wind up grabbing a beer with one guy who was just passing through on some summer night in Denver, but it wasn't what I was expecting. I'm 99% sure he had never met Mr. May's or myself. He dodged specifics when I asked him questions and repeated a lot of my statements back to me in agreement. I remember him nodding his head a lot and saying, yeah, that's right, over and over again. But he was picking up the tab, so I didn't notice a lot of this until the next afternoon. That was also the last time I met up with anyone from the internet. Yeah, it's it's only like later that he realized it was t like three chimpanzees in an <laughs> overcoat. <Yeah. laughs> he kept saying to me, please pay your tab, sir. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I also got a surprising number of requests for the specific coordinates of the showers from a wide variety of personalities. There were people offering money, transport, and even what was essentially malicious support if I would take them there, like it was some sort of, you know, guided tour. I turned them down, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't consider accepting some cash in exchange for the coordinates of any random barn I could pull up on Google Maps. I didn't, though. As foreign and surreal as the whole thing was, I did take pretty immediate notice of the power it gave me over people. It felt like I was back around a campfire with a group of friends, hanging on my every word, but with a much larger audience. It all started innocently enough. I'd be out with a friend, looking for some decent conversation or a better lay. My friend would bring <laughs> up the showers and ask me to tell the story. Then I would fight him on it for a bit before caving, ordering another round and launching into some variation of the bit. It really did work like a charm. It seemed like every time I went out, I ended up with a new friend or another notch in my belt. I hardly had to try. I was just drunkenly wandering down memory lane. After a while, I had narrowed my sights, only bringing out the story for certain people for very specific ends. Sex. Uh, I used it to get laid. It's as simple as that. Okay, here's where, uh, in the writer's corner, let's talk. Uh, there's a thing called subtext. If you line something up with subtext, such as, uh, I used it for very specific ends, you don't then have to tell us it's sex, Jack. Right. We know. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're astute. We, we get it. Um, also, this this I'm now much more interested in just psychoanalyzing the author than I am uh, 
learning more about the plot. Because oh, he this, seems, he this seems has completely have, imploded on itself. He seems to have grown into like a very, like too self-aware uh, with the little bit of internet fame the first uh, two parts of this has got, have gotten him and it's it's getting very meta. Um, he views himself as Icarus. He <laughs> flew too close to the sun. Incredible. We're only page 30 of 69. This can only go up <laughs> or stay the same. There are a lot of oh, options for it. Shit. I would t- <laughs> I would talk to a girl for a little while, get to know her just enough, take a guess at some of her fears and work them into the climax of the story. This is horrifying. I have faced down ghosts. I'm a sociopath. (laughs) Yeah, true life. I'm the worst person you know. I have faced down ghosts, encountered demons, and even had spiders rain down on me from the shower heads. But I made it out intact every time. (laughs) Of course you fucking did. And then I died. (laughs) (laughs) You don't believe me, do you? (laughs) Oh, shit. Every time, if only ever so slightly worse for wear. I was just damaged enough from the experience that a pretty girl might feel some sympathy for me, which I would thank her for while reaching out for her hands or maybe grabbing her leg. All roads lead to the same place. Hers. Vagina. (sighs) Hers vagina. (laughs) I would stumble back into my barren apartment every afternoon, throw on some different clothes, and head back out to the bar. What a life. Work or play didn't really matter. Like I said... All roads. All roads lead to vagina. Okay, so I will say he's gotten better at sentence-to-sentence writing. Not not as many awkward turns of phrase. However, he has only gotten worse as a person. So the writing is still quite bad. He needs to let you know just how much (laughs) sex he's having and just how drunk he is at the time of disappointing everyone involved. Oh, okay. I don't know how long I spent in this piece of shit phase, but I do know that Karen broke me out of it. Oh, Initially, Karen. I, I have to assume this was before the meme. Um, <laughs> otherwise, he would have chosen a different name. Uh, but I do know that Karen broke me out of it. Initially, she was just the next in a long line of women I had yet to woo. We met at a bar where I told her a story, which led to her place. But instead of passing out after sex, we stayed up and talked. It didn't feel like needless bullshit either. I felt like she understood me and I her. In reality, I think we both just liked getting really messed up and swapping stories about our shitty childhoods with mental ailments and and mental ailments with someone else so that we wouldn't have to make excuses for being alone. We actually did have the mental stuff in common though. Two different kinds of bipolar disorder. We thought that in some strange way it meant that we were perfect for each other. (laughs) That's not how that works. I don't need to be told how stupid that sounds. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, but you Karen, wrote it. Yeah. This this is actually, I like this part because it, it is him being like self-aware enough and self-deprecating enough that it's it's not, uh, doesn't read like a total sociopath. Karen also had a degree in political science from Rutgers, a wicked right hook, and one of the most persuasive and charismatic personalities that I've ever encountered. I worry that sort of thing is, isn't going to come across here because of what this is all ultimately leading to. I just don't want to do her a disservice. Karen, she's dead. dead. She's dead. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We didn't end. We didn't end up together for a year and a half because we were awful for each other. At that point in my life, I was both lost and an asshole. I turned her into a concept or a, an archetype in my head. She was the Nancy to my Sid, the Bonnie to my Clyde, and we were probably headed down the same path as both couples. I was looking back. And I had to fit her into that awful manic pixie dream girl trope in my head. 
I was a lost guy looking for a girl with hair the color of a mood ring to solve the complex problem that was me. On any given day, she was the love of my life and my partner in crime. The next day, she was my antagonist, an obstacle to overcome. Um, I don't think he knows that on any given day is supposed to mean every day. Uh, but that's, that's fine. Uh, the next day, after any given day, which is only sometimes... All days. She, she was my antagonist, an obstacle to overcome. It was all part of this story that I had seen play out in movies and books so many times before. But in the end, it was me trying to fit a square peg in a non-existent hole. <laughs> <laughs> my dick is a square. This is, this is what I reveal. She had no orifices on her body. It was and my great. eyes. Was my eyes are tubes. <laughs> <laughs> she made me feel good about myself, though. I'm pretty sure I loved her. It's just that I was simultaneously loving and using her without really realizing what I was doing. This isn't to say that she didn't get use out of me. She started coming over to my place after we'd spent a couple nights together um, and never really left. Items for clothing and her toiletries started showing up around the apartment. I just kind of went with it. It was one night where I brought, brought up how we'd never actually talked about living together before it already happened. That night somehow ended up with both of us blacking out in tears. But by the, but by the time happy hour rolled around the next evening, we were good as new. I mean, it, it wasn't an issue at the time. We just sort of fell in together. I know this probably sounds unhealthy, and it was. I've gotten off track. <laughs> Karen, Karen, <laughs> Karen Fucking took, Karen. Uh, Karen took a great interest in my stories. The showers particularly interested interested her because she'd come across a rereading a reading of it on the podcast or YouTube channel and knew about it before she'd ever met me. So I'm glad to be added to the long and, and illustrious list of, of people who've read this story out loud. <laughs> um, she thought I was messing with her at the bar, trying to take credit for a story that someone else had lived. But I was able to convince her, and she didn't let it go after that. After long nights, we'd lay together in bed, and she would ask me to tell the story again, like some sort of morbid bedtime story. The fuck? Um, each time I told it to her, I would embellish a little more, or shake loose a new memory pulled from deep within my imagination. I don't know if she actually believed it or if she just wanted to, but be but it became our thing. Uh, Jesus Christ. You're but, both sociopaths. Yeah, this is pretty bad. But of course, the story eventually wasn't enough. She wanted to live it. Can we, Can we go there? Yeah. Let's go to the showers. She wanted us to go together and face them down. Some sort face of them down. Fight. Yeah, like some sort of boss fight. She constantly told me that it would be good for me to go back there and get perspective. Quote, and unquote, perspective. Perspective. And by perspective, she means beating the shit out of a bunch of frail Victorian children. She means die. <laughs> she was I want to die. <laughs> yeah, it's good for me to die. She was convinced it would help me pick up writing again. Karen always told me that I had such good ideas, but that something held me back from letting them loose. She genuinely wanted to help me, but she couldn't see that this wouldn't do that. Now it seems obvious. I think another aspect of her interest in the showers was just honest fixation. We both had a tendency to key in on a particular subject, dig deep into it until there was nothing of interest left to uncover. This meant that her attention generally burned intensely before quickly fizzling out. My refusal to indulge her one last wish and take her there kept her going. She would strategically pick the moments where I was just drunk enough to loosen my lips, but not so drunk that I was off in my own world, to ask about the place. Occasionally, she'd bring up a piece of information that I told her about the showers all blacked out that would resonate with me enough to pull, to put my arm hair on edge. 
Even if I couldn't conjure the memory while sober, my body recognized it. I knew she was getting closer to something in me that I didn't want to address, but I never stopped her outright. I don't know if I believed my own story anymore. I just felt a bit sick when I thought about it. She persisted, using every method in the book to try to convince me to take her there. Every new detail, real or otherwise, would motivate her to push harder on the subject. It was the middle of winter when I caved. We were living in Fort Collins, Colorado at this time, which was only a short drive from Broken Bow, Nebraska. I had still maintained my ground, uh, or I had still maintained my ground when it came to making a trip there, claiming that I didn't remember, that we didn't have the time, and that I'd forgotten exactly how to get to the farmhouse, which were both partially true. But like I said, she knew when she could get to me best. We were sat on the couch, following a long night of bar hopping and friend drama. Luckily, we'd found ourselves on the same side of this particular situation, which meant that the night was going to close quietly. When we were snuggled together under a blanket and watching the Coen <laughs> Brothers 2013 flick, Inside Lewin Davis. <laughs> okay. Very specifically. <laughs> very, very, very specific. We were very specifically watching 2016's Scorpion King 3 on Blu-ray. That's so weird. Like, adding specific details to your story is, like, one of the easiest ways to make it better. But then making it read, like, <laughs> And then the you do the that. Box. We were watching the Coen Brothers 2013 flick Inside Lewin Davis, starring the man who would eventually play Poe Dameron in Star Wars, did you know? Um, Inside Lydia's asshole. <laughs> there's no hole. I'm trying to fit a square peg in no hole. Uh, well, Karen was watching while... Wait, no. Well, Karen was watching while I split my time between nodding off and attempting to read screenplay that a friend of mine had sent me. I had seen the film half a dozen times at this point. In it, a struggling folk singer loses his way after his partner commits suicide. Spoilers. I, I imagine the rest is just him, like, trying to describe the plot of the movie. It's just 30, 36 more pages of him going through the plot of Inside <laughs> Lula Davis. I would love if he just continued. Like, he gets a paragraph and he's like, oh, wait, no, actually, there's, there's more to it. It's not just about There's There's a little bit more. The to showers. It. He's got a cat. There's a pretty famous scene on a subway. Uh, no, wait, no, hold on. The showers, you're right. Um, sorry, yeah, this is you. Wait, no, Karen and I shared a mutual fascination with the subject of suicide, so it was only a matter of time before one of us said something. I would hate to jump off a bridge, I think. She said. There's a chance you live when you're hitting water and you wind up, what, paralyzed or something? I guess I'd feel like an even bigger waste of space if I couldn't even kill myself properly. I wasn't sure if she actually wanted to get into it or not, but I bit. I couldn't jump, I said, pulling her closely and closing my eyes. That's way too much build-up and pressure. Yeah, dude, this guy does not deal well with pressure, as we've established. He just too throws up on her, like, <laughs> as he's talking about it. <laughs> just thinking about no. it. Too much time to regret it when you're when you're falling. It wasn't a taboo subject with us. It's difficult to explain to those unfamiliar with lifelong suicidal ideation, but discussing it in blunt and honest terms is comforting. When faced with it every single day, familiarizing oneself with something typically viewed as morbid was its own sort of victory. We shined a light on it know your enemy and whatnot. Even if it were concrete or lava below me, I couldn't do it. I don't want anything flashy, honestly. You know, give me benzos or a couple of pints of chivas and I'll go gentle, I said. Maybe I would jump. But... Yeah, I thought out loud. But I would do it from a plane. I just want that one last rush of adrenaline. You could stay alive and get a lot more of that. Not with those kinds of stakes. 
guess. Okay. <laughs> I just, I, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to be quiet. Let me drink myself to death with a book and some relaxing music to play me out. I saw it. Probably some bright eyes. I don't know. <laughs> Probably some sitting on Stevens. Karen was quiet for a while. A character in the film overdosed in a bathroom stall, and she spoke up. She spoke up. I, I just, I just don't want to go like that. At the very least, I want to be around friends or even family in a hospital room at an, at an old age from a failed liver. <laughs> the best way to go, famously. I was nodding off. Kind of like your teacher. I stirred. She hadn't brought up the story in a while, and when she did, she never led into it with Mr. Mays. I guess, I said. If I fell asleep, she'd be forced to leave it be for tonight. Let's go, bub. She said. Go where? You know. I knew. Liquor store is closed, I grumbled. Nebraska. It's late. Next week, I'll take it off work. Uh, it'll give us some time to drive. Why would anyone want to, want to drive to Nebraska? Brian seems interested. In Nebraska? In your story. You could write about it. It's been a while since you've written. I could bring my camera from the way you described it. I'm sure that I could get some good pictures. I was getting uncomfortable, but that was offset by my exhaustion. I don't want to go. I didn't put up much of a fight. Please. For me, we never go anywhere and the apartment gets stuffy and it's my birthday next month. She's the birthday boy. Okay, all right, I said, trying to appease her so that I could drift off. But what about the cat? The next thing I knew, we were packed up and leaving the comforts of home for Nebraska. I had said yes to the trip and then fallen asleep. By the time I woke up the following afternoon, Karen had already secured one of her friends as our chauffeur and, re and was requesting time off work that fit with my schedule. She was so happy and I was on quite a bit of Xanax, so I wanted to keep the good times rolling. <laughs> with our schedules and switching moods, happy was sometimes hard to come by. So I thought about that as we packed the car. I was asleep before we made it out of town. End of episode one. Yeah, that's that's where I want to stop part one because page page count wise, it's pretty right down the middle. Um, yeah, I also 69. feel I also feel like it's getting close to like the whole revisit saga side of it. So we, we told the story and we flash forward and he's now unhappy and unsuccessful. What a fucking surprise. And he wants to relive his fucking glory days going back to the showers to get himself almost killed again. What if I wrote the same story again? Again. You Did you like it the first time? Well, There's here it is. <laughs> I've replaced Steve with my partner. With sexual healthy. tension. <laughs> I've replaced Steve with sexual tension. <laughs> That's how writing works. Uh... Yeah, he's That's how he's, adulthood works. He's getting it. Okay, I so I really do like. I'm willing to bet this is the same person who's writing this. Uh, I yeah, really, yeah. I, I, I really like that. Um, the the type of bad changed, but there's still an undercurrent of like really like misled. Yeah, in, I mean, in, it went from here. it went from uneducated tryhard to just tryhard. Yes. You know, it I, went from it went from softcore to edgelord. 
I'm I'm a sucker for tryhard in all forms, and I'm glad he, I'm glad he didn't let five years dull his shine. You know, I'm glad he's still razor sharp here in terms of like putting in putting in a weird amount of effort. <laughs> the literal plot of the second one is sorry I lost my shine. <laughs> I I just I like you gotta love an author who starts his uh, sequel with like fucking you bite me. I know I made a bunch of typos in the first book. <laughs> By the way, I have a mental disorder. Um, By the way, I can only I can only type things on this shitty laptop. I don't know why. I I presumably have another computer. Oh, that I can be old girl! On, but this is the only one that I can tell spooky stories. Oh on. fuck! Fuck! God damn it! Oh, it's 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 too much. But at the same time, it's not enough. Uh, I'm I'm excited though. I'm excited. I think you know, with his newfound uh, grasp of the language, he's going to be able to at least give us some more genuine spooks. In the so, so you know how when he fell, when when he found it, and fell down there, nothing really happened. Um, mm-hmm. Get ready to hear that again, but this time. Karen's gonna die. <laughs> or at I'm, least I'm, Brian, whoever the fuck Brian is. Yeah, Brian is a prime candidate. Not being named and then somehow like unnamed. Because she said that Brian is fine, and then like later on in the same fucking page, it's just like one of her friends was able to show for us. I was like, You've already named him. Why did you like, suddenly start referring to him as No, Brian? he's not real anymore. <laughs> he's just around sometimes, I guess. So, so, trying to trying to uncharacterize him. <laughs> Forget what I've told you. Fuck off, Ryan. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready for for the next one. I I hope everyone else is enjoying the showers. This this honestly, this is kind of refreshing to me because I think only this this is the first time I've read something that I think is is almost funny. Like this the, this season. I mean, like we read um a couple of stories that were like. I guess, um, I guess I would categorize them as just serious, like serious, creepy stories. Um, not hot, but spicy, which was a recent episode that I did, um, where, where, uh, it's like a forum from the early two thousands. Um, those ones are kind of off and on like hit or miss, sometimes funny, sometimes scary. Um, and even that episode recently was kind of just on the brim of creepy. This is the first time I think I've had like a, a tongue in cheek, like this guy's really telling a creepy pasta in a, in a while. So I'm, I'm very happy that this is what we get to experience because I think you, you operate on like the frequency of, of B horror flicks. I am a creature that is literally made of irony. So you can't really pin me down and make me be sincere. We we already not, know not, that you don't. Not, you're not like a huge fan of horror, but but yeah. if it's if you are a fan of any kind of sect, it's definitely the like cringe. Yes, like I've, B B schlock. I've watched. I've not watched a ton of horror. But I will say that 90% of all of the horror that I've watched is like, I watch it because it's bad. And I, um, yeah, I, I love it. I, I am a sincere person a lot of the time. There's, there are a few genuine, like, psychological thr- thrillers or horror films that I find to be quite excellent. But if, it's not my... If you, so, so just immediately, just a quick throw out there for, for everyone. Um, the most recent one I've seen is absolutely malignant. 
If you haven't seen Malignant, you would have such a good time. Seriously, like, it's James Wan, so, like, you think it's gonna be this, like, creepy, this creepy movie, and it's so not, and it's schlocky, and it's like it came from the 80s. Like, you you would laugh so much, Ramses. Like, you literally need to see it, because it just came out, it was literally just this year, It's it's a 2021 horror film by James Wan, and it was marketed the wrong way. So is that the is that the that's not the Rob Zombie movie that came out recently, yeah? No, no, no. no. This is this is James Wan. He's a director. Okay. He did the Conjuring, um, the Thirst Saw movie. He did um, Insidious. He's he's responsible for all these big new franchises. Right, um, right, right. He, I've seen trailers for Malignant. I just also yes. heard someone. I can't remember what movie it was. Like relatively recently, talking about a horror movie kind of goofy and I think they were talking about Rob Zombie but now I, I'm, I'm sort of second guessing well Rob myself. Zombie is remaking the monsters <laughs> that's what? that's the most that's the most recent thing that he's working on he's <laughs> he's redoing the monsters that's, and that's not even a joke that's no, that's I, an actual thing no I believe you <laughs> that's that's insane that's legitimately insane I love I love Rob Zombie I have like I've oh, he's great. seen maybe like two of his movies but every time I oh. hear that he's doing something uh, it, it just always makes me laugh. What have you seen? House of um, Thousand Corpses and a Thousand... No, I think I saw that... one of his Halloween movies. Oh, okay. Uh, and then... Devil's Rejects, Lords of Salem. Maybe I've only seen one of his ho- Halloween movies. <laughs> I, also, I also remember that there was, a, uh, there was a track on Need for Speed Underground, Only the Real Ones Will Remember. Uh, that oh, was hell a, yeah. A Rob Zombie track. It was track a Rob Zombie track. Very yep. frequently played in that game, and I was always like, hell yeah, hell yeah Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on that oh. note, we need to get Rob Zombie to do the backing, uh, the soundtrack for the showers. Um, if, if this oh, were adapted into a live-action film. I'll reach out um, to him. Me and him have a very close relationship, as evidenced by the fact that I know nothing. That you know one movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, this this was uh, this was Ramsey's Vanderslice and Captain Death reading through the showers part one. Uh, we'll we'll be back to finish uh, the showers after this holiday season. So you just uh, you just sit there, sit there nice and tight. I got something special coming up for you shortly. Uh, Ramses, any any final words to our to our audience before you return to to shower once again? Um, when is this episode going to be aired? Week before Halloween. Week before Halloween. Oh, uh, well then, I may or may not have a video uh, on on YouTube, and if you search Ramses Vanderslice, you might see it. Uh, they and. They absolutely should be following you on YouTube. There, yes. there, there's so so much fun things I found there that even even had I not known you IRL, I still would have found them incredibly just just funny and interesting. So definitely give Ramsey's Vanderslice a look through on YouTube. Uh, give give him a follow. Um, Give our stuff a like and a follow. I'm sure you guys are seeing uh, the Dead Space playthrough that I'm doing right now with uh, Mr. Skelly Bones. Um, the The final episode is coming out uh, a couple days before Halloween, so if you didn't watch that, give yourself a, a catch-up and join us on our, uh, our 
Dead Space Adventures. Um, Ramses, it's been a time. It's been an absolute time. Uh, until we shower again. Oh, yes. I wait till the day's end when the moon is high.